them. I was lying. That's fantastic, man. We are live. Okay, today, today's guest, I, I, I just want to tell you who today's guest is. Today's guest is John E. Deaton, former Marine. In the Marines, he was a lawyer, okay, in the Marines. He comes out, he starts uh, falling in love for the concept of crypto, give or take. He's interested in what's going on with the technology and the coin. And then uh, from there, when the SEC goes after XRP Ripple, I think December of last year, it's Correct. when they open up the case, uh, John E. Deaton is now representing 62,000 XRP holders, of which 1,000 of them own other coins as well. A lot of people on Twitter were saying, you and I got to get together, and uh, we finally were able to make it work. So if you're somebody that's following crypto, if you own Bitcoin, if you own Ethereum, if you own Ripple, if you own anything, you probably want to pay attention to this. And we're aware that a lot of the XRP community is going to be here because there's a cult-like following <laughs> with that community. So thanks for having you on, man. Thank you for thanks having Thanks for me. coming on. Appreciate it. Okay, so having said that, be before, before we get into it, uh, can you get some of the guys to give me an iPad charger here? Because this thing literally died because I've been watching a bunch of his interviews. So, uh, John... Uh, what's going on, okay, currently right now with the SEC case against Ripple? We have a bunch of notes here, but bring everybody up to date on what's going on right now with the lawsuit. Well, right now we're waiting on a couple big decisions from the judge. There's a decision, a motion to strike Ripple's fair notice defense, and a motion, the most important motion, I believe, because I think the fair notice one is going to be an easy one for them to decide, it is the internal documents at the SEC, the, their documents on Bitcoin, their documents on Ethereum. There's even a document dated 2018, June 13, 2018, on evaluating XRP and whether it's a security. And the SEC has refused to turn any of these documents over. They're claiming they're privileged. And they're claiming they're privileged, Pat, even though they claim that they've never made an official declaration on Bitcoin or Ethereum. They've actually rescinded Bill Hinman's speech in June, on June 14, 2018, where he said, look, Ether is no longer a security. Bitcoin's not a security. They've all walked away from that. And so that's why this case is so important. If the SEC is successful, I can guarantee you Gary Gensler is coming after Ether potentially, and not so much Bitcoin, but every other altcoin. So, so there's three audiences you're talking to today. So I just want to kind of give you this perspective so you know as you're communicating. The typical audience you talk to, they're all crypto community. So when you drop in names and all this stuff, they know, right? Yeah. So when you drop in verbiage, they know. Uh, when you're saying certain things, they know. Today's community... It's consisted of those who are XRP, Ripple, which you're very comfortable talking to them. Number two, it's the community on the crypto side that don't own XRP, but they own Bitcoin and Ethereum. And they're concerned about what's going to happen with you because, not you, they're concerned what's going to happen with this case. Because we know Gary is hired and appointed, I think, February 3rd of this year by Kamala and Biden as the SEC chair. And he used to be the the Commodity Futures Trade Commission under Obama before, and then prior to that, he was under Clinton. So he's a full-blown Democrat. Absolutely. They know it, and we know Kamala, Biden, uh, one of the game plans that they had is they were, there was a couple things that we're not comfortable about is why they brought Gary in. Gary is not a fan of SPACs. They're trying to little over-regulate SPACs. You're aware of that. Because last year, there was about $100 billion of money raised for SPACs the last 24 months. So SPACs are on the up-and-coming. They've been around for a while, but it's been a lot of momentum lately. And the other thing they're worried that they cannot regulate is why they brought Gary in. 
is cryptocurrency. They would like to figure out a way to make crypto a security because if they do, they can now control it. They can now, you know, regulate it. They can do a lot of different things. So for the audience that has no clue what's going on, okay, no clue what's going on, let's go through uh, 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 your initial passion on why you, as a former Marine lawyer who's extremely skeptical, why did you all of a sudden say, look, man, I want to see what's going on here with crypto. This is kind of interesting to me. What was appealing to you? All right. Well, first thing I did, I did what a lot of people do. I read the Bitcoin white paper. Okay. Fell in love with the concept of cryptocurrency, bought Bitcoin, bought Ethereum, bought XRP, and just sort of went a firm believer. You know, I think you said in an episode 40 percent of all U.S. dollars yep. printed in the last, what, year? Yep, 18 months. It's staggering. Yep. And so looking at it as an alternative, a hedge on inflation, or just an alternative to fiat currency that's being debased every day, yep. right? So that's what got me involved. What got me involved in this suit, Pat, was I'm just an investor. I'm not a securities lawyer, believe it or not. I'm actually amicus counsel in the biggest securities case since 1946, and I've been practicing a securities law for about nine months, right? But when I read the complaint as an XRP holder, I learned that the case was filed. I was expecting to see what you always see in these securities cases, that the SEC would say, you know what, Brad Garlinghouse, you know what, Ripple, when you sold XRP in 2013 to 2015 on this specific transaction, on that specific day, that was an unregistered security. And that's what I expected. First paragraph, XRP itself, is a digital asset security, and it's an unregistered security from the very beginning of time until today. So according to the SEC, including the secondary market, Pat, if I go right now and I buy XRP from Uphold, and I don't have any idea of Ripple, they're saying that's an unregistered security. And so it's something very different. They're attacking trying the, to set a precedent the, against the, the, the token itself. Yeah. And, and the case, the seminal case that they go off is this case called Howie from the Supreme Court in 1946. It involved orange groves. And the SEC never said, or the Supreme Court never said, the oranges are the securities. They said the scheme and the marketing and the packaging, the way that the company sold it. That was an unregistered securities offering. They didn't say the tracts of land were the security. They didn't say the oranges were the security. The underlying instrument, Pat, is never the security. It's the way you offer it and package it. But in this particular case, they went after the token. And Pat, for eight years, it was sold in the United States and worldwide, 200 exchanges. They allowed Ripple to purchase 9% of MoneyGram. They had a settlement with FinCEN in 2015 where they called it digital convertible virtual currency. This was being allowed to go on and on mm -hmm. and on. And all of a sudden, the former SEC chairman, Jay Clayton, on his last day, as he's walking out the door, slaps this lawsuit, the most significant SEC enforcement action, in my opinion, in modern history in a non-fraud case, and goes after the token. And there's so many conflicts of interest that we're going to get into. Jay Clayton was just on TV today on CNBC, and, it, and they asked him again, what about these conflicts that everyone is uh, calling you out on? And he's like, I'm not going to talk about it because it's pending litigation. There's no pending litigation over your ethics, right? But he refuses to answer these questions, stuff we're going to get into. Yeah. So, so the, 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 and by the way, the current uh, uh, the case against SEC, 
Doesn't XRP have like some of the most incredible uh, team right now? The former SEC chairman is one of their representatives. Who do they have on their team right now? Who's oh, Ripple have on their team right now? It's outstanding. Yeah, that's what that's Mary Joe White. Know. Mary Joe White, former SEC chairwoman. Former SEC chairwoman's on on their team. Yeah. Former director of enforcement, a guy named Andrew Ceresny, who was the director of enforcement, is their lead trial attorney. This is Ripples. Yeah. yeah. And and they also have uh, uh, on their team former. Former SEC uh, person in charge of New York's office, and they actually have someone who used to be the director of corporation and finance on their team. Ripple has an all-star team as far as defending this case. So, so uh, let's let's uh, let's talk about the devil's advocate. Okay, the folks who are right now saying, "Well, uh, Ripple deserves this because behind closed doors they were doing X, Y, Z," and for the way Ripple was formatted, if I remember, eighty percent of they had a hundred billion, right? Is it a hundred billion token? Am I saying it correctly? Of which eighty percent they gifted, twenty yep. percent they kept, right? Right. Today's market cap is around thirty-seven billion dollars. The fully diluted will be around eighty billion dollars. That's kind of where they are today. Correct. With numbers, so some people from the other side say, "Well, listen, these guys were kind of doing a pump and dump type of stuff behind closed doors market and you know, yeah, market manipulation, yeah. and because there's no regulation, they can kind of do this." And you know, they used to say that also about. Uh, uh, John McAfee. John McAfee would say, it's going to this, it's going to right. this, it's going to this. So it would go up. He would sell. Then he would tell people not to sell. And I don't know whether he did this or not, but that was right. a lot of criticism because we had McAfee on as well. Well, one of the big things that, you know, we talk in the crypto community, our guys are like, we love Ripple, the technology. We love Ripple, the coin. We love what it can do for, you know, international, yeah. you know, uh, money transactions. Hate the people who created it. So like, that's that seems why to be. Why is that, though? Why Why are people saying that, though? Well, I think because when you compare it to like Bitcoin, right, there was no pre-mine with Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you had people allegedly could fairly mine for it, and it was open and it was decentralized from the beginning. They, they believe that these executives are enriching themselves. But my answer to that question is, okay, go after Brad Gardenhouse. Go after Ripple. Why are you going after the token? Why are you yeah. eight years after the fact? Why are you going after the teacher that put, you know, $500 in the ripple? It, yeah, Exactly. I've never met Brad Garlinghouse, never met Chris Larson, never met the any of the people at Ripple. I'm no Ripple fan. Those boy. two names, that you, just so people don't know, they're founders. I think Chris is the one that founded Ripple uh, Labs, right? He's uh, one of the co-founders yes. as well. Yeah. Yes, and and they were sued independently. Now, they the, the thing about it, Pat, is in this case, after a 30-month investigation, the SEC didn't actually allege fraud. They investigated Ripple for 30 months. There's no fraud alleged. It is a strict securities violation. You didn't give proper disclosures when you made these transactions. And and I say, fine, go after them. All right? I'm not here to defend them. They've got way better lawyers than me, right, to defend them. But what you're doing, when you go after the token itself in the secondary market, right, you're – let me tell you something, and I know this because I've, I've been communicating with 60,000 people – it is an absolute fact that the first-time purchasers of XRP, 58.2% of them had never heard of the company Ripple. They've heard Ripple, the name, but they never heard of a company. 58% have never heard of they Ripple. Were just, when, just they first purchased, when they first bought it, they I got you. Right. Pure speculation. It, yeah, you know what they do? Listen, you go on, you, it was the number three. For a while, it was number two. Mm -hmm. Market cap, but it's the top three market cap. Somewhere, Litecoin. Cryptocurrencies, yeah. it's 25 cents. So people look at it, they see Bitcoin going up, they're like, hey, I can afford 25 cents, yeah, right? And so, yeah. so they were doing that and had no connection to this company. 
And so to, to allege that those people entered a common enterprise mm -hmm. with Ripple and therefore it's an investment contract is just it's taking absurdity to the highest level. Do you, do you think that they attacked the soft target? Do you think that, that they were looking to set a precedent against the tokens? Ripple made the mistake of incorporating in the United States. It, it, and you know, they yeah. went after people that they didn't think, like, who pays you? Like, like they never thought that, you know, 60,000 no. coin holders would actually come together, communicate, and formulate some sort of defense against this. They thought they were going after a soft target and that they were going to create some case law that, that was going to change the crypto landscape. And then you came in and you, 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 you took a dump on their front lawn. Well, I, let me tell you, I think what we're talking about here the people that you know in cryptocurrency where and what Pat said about people don't like these executives or they don't like the 80 percent being gifted and holding back 20 percent. If you read the complaint, even though they don't allege fraud, they use fraud like language in the complaint. And it inflames people. If you don't like Ripple and you're like, oh, they're going after Ripple, I'm not worried about it. But when you read the complaint and it says that all XRP holders all joined into a common mm -hmm. enterprise with mm -hmm. each other and with Ripple. When they say that the very nature of the token itself is an investment contract with Ripple, then it becomes very dangerous. They're using, in my opinion, this case to set the precedent that you're talking about so that if they're successful, they can do what you were saying, Pat, and regulate all the cryptocurrency. So so, so let's go back to this SEC lawsuit that uh, uh, Clayton, you said Clayton did uh, right before, the day before he was done, he, Absolutely. he uh, filed this lawsuit. I think it's December 20th of 2020, December something of 2020, right after election, by the way, when this thing kind of took place. So... So the lawsuit is towards the XRP holders, nothing to do with Brad and Chris? Is that what you're saying? Or are they going after Brad and Chris as well separately? No, they're going after Ripple and Brad and Chris, but they're being so overbroad in their language that yeah. they're using yeah. that they're saying all XRP, even in the secondary market that's being traded, that all of that's an unregistered security. So one of these 62,000, that, that's uh, what did they get in mail? Did they get in mail something from the SEC? Did they get, how do they know they're being part of that lawsuit? Okay, what happened was basically, and, and this was forewarned, Clayton, and I have a letter, I'm going to give it to you because I just got it from the SEC after fighting them for nine months um, and threatening to sue them through a Freedom of Information Act. But a former uh, fellow Republican SEC commissioner, Joe Grunfest, on December 17th, he, uh, sent a letter to Clayton and the commissioners and said, don't do this. You are about to harm innocent XRP holders and cause more billions in losses than in any non-fraud case in the history of this country. Mm -hmm. They warned them, and they still filed it on walking out the door. And so what happened is, just as that former SEC commissioner warned, he said, listen, if you say that XRP is unregistered security, Coinbase is trying to go public. They're not going to hold it. They're not going to keep it. They're not going to trade it. Mm -hmm. And so the intermediaries, the exchanges, and the platforms are going to delist it, and that's what happened. And so Coinbase, yep. Kraken, Binance, mm -hmm. Crypto.com, they all said, look, I'm not messing with the SEC. SEC says the token itself is an unregistered security. We're delisting it, and we're not trading it. And so you have people... Uh, learn that way. And many of these XRP holders learned of this company named Ripple yeah. and these executives called Brad Garlinghouse and Chris Larson for the first time when they got notice on their wallet and Coinbase that said, pursuant to the, and it says, I can show you on my phone, it says, 
Because of the SEC action against Ripple, we are suspending all trading of XRP. And let me tell you how that impacts people, Pat. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of iTrust Capital, right? It's basically an IRA for crypto, and it's the biggest one in the country. And they allow you to hold your crypto just like you can have the Bitcoin, uh, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust in an IRA, right? Well, they basically have frozen all of the people's assets. So XRP, if they want to trade it right now, they can't. If they want to sell it because XRP goes to five bucks and, and take that gain, they can't. This is Robin Hood, GME all over again. Right. I mean, that's... You well, know. you can't buy or sell or trade right now. You can, not on Coinbase, on those. There are a couple exchanges like Uphold that made the decision that said, this is ludicrous. Our securities lawyers say there's not a unregistered security. We're comfortable maintaining it. But there's like one or two out of 15, and the rest of them delisted. And But those individuals who have that money, that XRP, it's frozen. So if they had a life-altering event, Right, their their mother in law needed to go to a nursing home, and they needed to cash. Couldn't out. touch it. Can't touch it. Yeah, all waiting on this lawsuit to happen. Couldn't touch. Well, that's that's uh, 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 that's how a lot of these organizations get uh, you, you know negative uh, 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 reputation that they do. SEC types of organizations. What I'm talking about. But you know, when you get a knock on the door from SEC, that's a real knock. Yeah, it's not just anybody knocking on your door. That's a knock you got to answer and say, "Here we go again." So. How much money is Ripple right now? Brad, Chris, how much are they using with legal teams, especially the killer, the, the ridiculous legal, legal team that they have? How much have they already spent? Do you know? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's at least a million and a half a month. Okay, a million and a half a month a is month. what they're spending. Okay. I, I mean, that's, that's me guessing. So, so, so in, in, in full, you know, if you were to say right now, there's a few things that can happen, right, with this case. They can settle, which a lot of people are saying is probably going to end up settling, right? Let's just say it's going to end up settling. The SEC comes and like, let's settle, you know, uh, 10 million bucks, 50 million bucks, 100 million bucks, whatever the number is that right. they settle with, right? Fine. Here's a check. You move on. And then the other one is to say they release. They just kind of say, look, we're just going to let it go. We're not going to do anything right now. And uh, we're not necessarily going to settle with you. What is the consequences of both, both negative and positive? Well, I think it's very positive for everyone if there is a settlement. And and give you an example, you could pick the number. Ripple owns 50 billion XRP. It's in escrow, and each month one billion gets released, and they use some of it, sell it, and then they put it back in escrow. That's 50 billion, Pat. Imagine if XRP gets to five bucks, mm -hmm. right? They're worth 250 billion dollars. That's significantly more than Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. And so, if that were to happen, and the SEC were to be worried about the precedent, right? The, the way this case settles is Gary Gensler is afraid that an adverse ruling by the judge on fair notice, where she, she says, "Listen, you can't go after him. You let it happen for eight years. Uh, you didn't do anything. There's so much unclarity in the world uh, in this market." Uh, you allowed them to have MoneyGram. You allowed it to go on Coinbase. All those things. If that happens, then that precedent would be usable by Cardano and XLM mm -hmm. and every other altcoin. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense. So if if that happens, when that pressure point takes place, then you could pick a number. You could, if it goes to five bucks, for example, if if that happens. That's uh, they could sell 10% of the monthly escrow, which would give them 500 million dollars. They could settle for 500 million. It would be a huge public win for Gary Gensler sure. because it would be one of the highest SEC settlements. As in long history. as it, no, as long as they don't classify the token as a security. But but 
it, that settlement won't happen unless they do basically what was done for Ether in 2018 when Bill Hinman, then the director of corporation finance, said, you know what, we're going to set aside uh, the fundraising in the initial years, but today's token is not a security. We would need some kind of declaration from the SEC or the court for that settlement well, to, to happen. But to Pat's point, right now, I, it, look, that sounds well and good, and you know, and and for for the record, I hold XRP, so I hope it does five X. But right now, it's like seventy five cents. Correct. So you're you're not talking about two hundred fifty billion. You're talking like forty billion. Correct. All right, and the U.S. government has nothing but money and time. So from the outside looking in, I'm not an attorney, but it, this looks frivolous. This looks like somebody trying to lean on somebody. This looks like maybe I don't know, you know, uh, like you said, MoneyGram, Western Union decided to get a couple senators in there and say. You know this is going to put us completely out of business. Yep. Like we make twenty five cent, we make twenty five cents out of every dollar transferred. These guys can do this instantaneously for no money. Like get rid of these guys. Uh, but what's to say that they don't just keep dragging it out, dragging it out, dragging it out, dragging it out, bleeding you out, bleeding you out? I mean, how long can they they take this? If they take this thing ten years, is Ripple going to fight for ten years? What's what's their breaking point before they say, okay, you know what, fine, we're security. Close the thing down, reincorporate in Mexico with this same exact white paper and start over. It's a great question. The My settlement scenario was if that pressure point existed for Gensler, that it was going to you know, put him out of business regulating all the other crypto because of the precedent. If those rulings don't come down favorable for Ripple, then I don't think there's a settlement. I think it goes to verdict, and I think it's on appeal, and I think we are looking at a couple years of that process. At some point, Ripple could tap out and say, listen, we'll, we'll go with a certain uh, designation. We can only sell to accredited investors now. You know, there's, there's ways to get around it, but I don't see it happening. I, I see it either settling, you know, um, because of those rulings that come down, or it goes to verdict. And there was a verdict in Connecticut not too long ago where a jury came back where there was a digital asset, a small one, where they, uh, the jury said that's not an unregistered security. And so um, that's where I think we're headed. So, so let me go back to that, though. Let me go back to that. Because the point was we have two things, settle and dismiss, right? You almost want settlement more than you want to be dismissed, right? Because if they dismiss it, then that means, hey, we're coming back again and Absolutely. again and again and again and again, right? So there's a part of Brad and Chris and the 62,000, and it's, it's 62,000 you're representing, but there's more XRP. Of course. So it, what's the number, 456? I, I saw a number like 450, 500,000 XRP holders. Something like some, that. Some number like that, right? So so if they, if they dismiss and they don't do anything, what happens then? Then we have this cloud hanging over us yeah. and what Gerard said I think you had when you had Kurt I was watching that video when you had Kurt on yeah. and 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 Gerard summed up the unfortunate nature of what's happening in this country he literally said um, ripple was similar to bitcoin they were just dumb enough to do it in the United States I mean that that sums it up we'll be right there where there'll be this uncertainty and right now you have Gary Gensler saying, come in and talk to us, come in and talk to us. As soon as they, they're using those interviews as a way to learn information about the company, as soon as you leave, by the time you get to your office, you have a subpoena. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Armstrong of Coinbase was trying to negotiate with them over that Lynn product. And all of a sudden, he shares with them all that information, he goes in and he talks to them, and then what do they say? If you bring that Lynn product, we're going to sue you. Why do you think they did want to be 
the first two to incorporate the United States. They're, they're obviously not dumb guys. Why do you think they want? They wanted this fight, I feel like. I feel like they kind of, maybe not the SEC, maybe not the way that they've gone after it, but I feel like they, they poked the bear, you know, by, by kind of swimming against the current. And I don't know, maybe they thought they would skip the line and be the first that would become like some sort of, you know, state-backed, you know, uh, you know, as E.B. Tucker called it, Fed coin. Right. I don't know what what their what the intention was. I don't know what kind of conversation you've had with them, but but have they ever described to you what their thinking was with making this, you know, an American product? No, I, I've never I've never spoken to them. Uh, you know, and a lot of uh, a lot of my critics will say, oh, you know, he's a plant for Ripple. Look what he's doing. Never spoken to him. Um, there was a report done by Fox Business on this story, and they said Deaton's no fanboy of Ripple. I don't got anything against him. I'm an XRP holder. I want them to be successful because if they're successful, the whole ecosystem grows. But um, but I, I don't know why. A lot of people ask that question. So 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 the definition of security. What is the definition of security? All right, a security in the form of an investment contract. That's what's happening here. Four things have to happen. One has to be an investment. Two into a common enterprise. Three, you are led to believe. Hang on. The investment, common uh, enterprise. Common enterprise. Okay, you have to believe. A reasonable expectation of profit. Okay. And four, and you rely on the efforts of others for that profit. If you meet those four factors, and you must meet all four, then it is an investment contract. Can you meet a fourth a, one? So, so investment, common enterprise, reasonable expectation of profit, and you're relying on others. Relying on others. To help. Make to, a profit? To make the profit. So let me ask you a question. Yep. This, if this is what the definition of security is, I've been Series 7 since day before 9-11, whatever, uh, 2001, I've been Series 7, 66, 31, 26, all those licenses. Till today, I have my licenses, right? Your Series 7 can drink now. My Series 7 can drink now. You're right. In, in one year, in one year, in a year, he can drink. Not yet. He would have to drink at a party like we typically would do. But if that's what you're saying... How many people, and, and this is a very simple question, how many people buy XRP, Ethereum, or Bitcoin for its technology rather than as a source of investment? That is a great, great question because there are, let me address this, there are a group of people I represent that use the technology. They go on the ledger, the XRP ledger, and they use it as a bridge asset. They buy casino coin. There's a decentralized exchange part of the yeah. uh, ledger, and they uh, trade assets, trade different currencies. Yeah, it's like a pseudo-dark web now, man. And so there are users of the, the technology, yeah. um, and um, but there's no doubt that there's a lot of people are speculating, right? Whether it's Bitcoin, it's, Ethereum, I, I've read XRP. as much as like 97% are speculating. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, so, so that's the part where, for them, they don't like that, right? I mean, it, you just defined, if I ask right now, and listen, most people are probably not going to say exactly, but, but if I ask right now, why are you buying Bitcoin? Oh, it's a great investment. No, 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 no. Don't use that word. Right. You know, don't use that word. You know, like in, 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 uh, as a financial advisor, the, the, what's the one word you cannot use as an advisor? You know, like the, the one word you have to be careful selling mutual funds or stocks or bonds. What's the word? The G word. What's the G word? Guaranteed. You can't okay. say, I, dude, I guarantee you, the stock market with American funds, the last since 1934 when American funds, investment company of Act America came out, it's done 12.2%. Dude, you can, I guarantee you, you can't say that, right? So that's the G word. So the investment word, you cannot use that with these technologies. Okay, number one. 
you're looking at it as an investment, common enterprise, reasonable expectation of profit. Most people have a reasonable expectation of profiting. And then relying on somebody else to make the profit. One can say that about all of them, right? right. So then the conversation becomes decentralized or centralized. You, many will say, well, uh, uh, you know, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum are the most decentralized uh, uh, product out there, right? Let's just say that's what okay. many will say. Right. But then they'll say, look, uh, uh, Ripple is somewhat centralized. And they'll come back and say, no, it's not. It's pretty decentralized. Only 7% is centralized, right? How much, uh, how much does it matter whether the technology or the coin or the wallet is centralized or decentralized? How much does that matter? Great question. And let me just point on your, your point about the investment. Yeah. I'm sure that Ripple lawyers and others, they don't want me talking about investments and yeah, things sure. like yeah. that. So you're 100% right. Now, I will tell you that you have to focus on the token versus the technology. Yes. The yeah. network versus the token. Ripple, I will tell you right now, I, I can absolutely win any argument that the XRP ledger is more decentralized than the Ethereum network. I put every dollar Why I got on it. Why is Be, that? First of all, because if Ripple went away, they filed bankruptcy tomorrow, right? XRP ledger continues, XRP continues. Vitalik Buterin dies, you're going to tell me? Ethereum's going to continue to go. Mark Cuban just recently said when he was challenged by Bitcoin Maxis on a, on a clubhouse, I was listening in, and they were like saying to Mark, they were like, look, it's not even Ether 2.0. They're going from proof of work to proof of stake. You know, they keep promising, promising, promising to never deliver. And Mark says, I think that uh, Vitalik's going to figure it out. And I'm putting my money on that. That centralization Right, right there. Yeah. Now the problem for Ripple Interesting. is that they own fifty percent of the XRP. Okay, that's token centralization. That's token centralization, and that's the real problem for them. And a lot of people look at that and say, "Well, you own half of the token." That's the market manipulation people were talking right. about. They're as well. worried about that, and that's why Brad Garlinghouse came up with the escrow, where mm -hmm. they put it all in escrow, and each month only a billion of the fifty billion will come out, and then they'll go back in escrow, and they can't touch. That's it. good. He did that, by the way. Very smart. Very good. He did that. Very smart. Yeah. You uh, made a great point too about about Vitalik. Like I'm a big Ethereum guy. Anybody that's been listening to the podcast knows I'm, I'm very, very, very bullish on Ethereum. But I'm bullish on too. Ethereum because of Vitalik. Yeah, Same way go. that I, I own Tesla because of Elon Musk. Elon right. Musk bails on Tesla. I'm out. Right. You know, so the, 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 you know, the proponent of the great man theory, that's a great, great point that you're making, man. But when it comes to, you know, as an attorney, yep. right, when you're looking at what the SEC is doing, and Pat made a great point about, okay, like, we can't set this up as an investment. Well, then I can see, you know, I'm just a dummy from Jersey, and I can see a Kafka trap from a mile away. Okay, well, if it's not that... If it's not an investment, then it's gambling, and you still need to register with the gaming com commission because you're buying a token. On, it's lottery essentially. You're you're buying this thinking that it could go up, but with uh, you know no no fail safe if it goes down. Either way, they're going to want you to register. You either you're either gambling or you're investing, and they've kind of got you trapped. John, I just want to give you full disclaimer. Very few dummies from New Jersey use the word Kafka trap two seconds after saying dummy from New Jersey. Just, just want to put that out there. But go ahead. Well, I appreciate please. that because I'm still trying to figure out what I mean. <laughs> go, right. go ahead. I didn't listen to the rest of what he said after he said that word. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? I'm a dummy uh, from New Jersey. I'm just, I'm just, just an ape. Kafka I'm trap, just an yeah. ape floating on a rock through outer space, bro. <laughs> 
Uh, but anyways, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, man, you, you, you see them, they're trying to corner the token yep. into regulation. Yep. First, they're going to go after it as an investment property. Right. And then you're going to say, it's not an investment property. Like Pat's saying, it's not an investment property. They're going to be like, okay, well, what, what makes it not an investment property? Well, it, it, it could bottom out. It could hollow out. Oh, so then you're gambling. Now you need to register as lottery. Right. Now you need to register as, as gaming. They're letting your arguments, you're going to win this argument, and through winning this argument, give them their next argument. If I learned anything from doing Mafia States of America with the questions Pat asked Rudy, the government is taking their losses and turning them into their next wins. Right. They will change the law until they have you. So what my concern is with something like this, especially with the settlement, because the settlement makes too much sense. Just make it go away. The settlement gets you closer to the regulation. Right. If it's not going to be this, then they're going to get you the next time. And it's not going to be registered as a security. It's going to be registered as gaming. It's right. going to have to be registered as some sort of gambling. You're going to have to be 21 and older to buy it. You're going to have to buy it with certain restrictions. Like that's they're going to regulate it some way or another. And we're trying. The whole point of this is the decentralization and deregulation. Right. The whole point of this is to be outside of the, their scope of control. So you know that that's kind of like now that's not your concern, obviously, because your concern is to win the lawsuit in hand. But you know, and again, you, I didn't know that you didn't know the guys at Ripple, but. I'm wondering if they are then saying, would they rather be a security than be gaming, than be seen as some sort of uh, lottery essence? Because like you said, there's the technology, but then there's the speculation. Right. And the speculation right now, 97% of the people don't even know what they're doing. That's, that is gambling. That's lottery. Well, one problem in the United States is that you have so many multiple agencies. Uh, it's already regulated. XRP and Ripple were registered. Well, Ripple was registered as a money transmitter, and they had a, they got sued by the government, Department of Justice in FinCEN, and they had a settlement in 2015, and they paid $700,000, and they were told, you have to register all your sales of XRP through FinCEN. And that happened in 2015, and then, of course, five and a half years later, the SEC comes down and says, oh, by the way, uh, it's also a security, mm -hmm. right? And so what we really need is Congress to step in and 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 authorize the right agency to govern cryptocurrency. If, if these are securities, then what's an NFT? If the token is a security, what's an NFT? It, it, what Pat went over, you can imagine many things fit those if you want oh, to. Oh, no, no question about non -fungible it. Non-fungible token. By, by the way, this is, this is why I'm concerned. Absolutely. This is why I'm concerned. Because, look, uh, Joseph Kennedy, who is he? He's a bootlegger. Mm -hmm. He's the father of the Kennedy. It's amazing there hasn't been a movie made about Joe Kennedy. Uh, there has to be. I mean, he, he, he's a legend. Okay, The kid, the, the, the guy would sit down his kids uh, uh, in suits and say, which one of you guys is going to be a president first? Can you gun, imagine like, gun, setting that expectation? Gunrunner right? for the IRA? I, I think you got your next project. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've interviewed RFK. RFK is a very good friend. Uh, I think we have something coming up together, debate that we're doing uh, uh, part two with his book that just came out with his best friend in regards to his best friend, Anthony Fauci. He loves Anthony Fauci. Uh, uh, that's a joke, by the way, sarcasm. <laughs> so, so Joseph Kennedy... Before there's any SEC, anything going on, the guy just knew pump and dump, pump and dump, pump and dump, pump and dump. Everybody and their mothers was doing it, right? 
and then the Security Exchange Act of 1933 and such an investment company act of uh, 1934 and all these other steps, you know, whatever these years, these things started coming out, right? Yep. Right after the Great Depression. Was it a good thing? Was it a bad thing? Many will say it was a good thing because guys during that time capitalized because there was no regulation. They came in, they took money out, and, you know, the rich got richer, and a lot of people got crushed that couldn't afford to lose that $3,000 or $40,000, $100,000, or that uh, girl you're talking about whose father passed away in insurance policy paid $75,000, and she put the $75,000 in XRP, and she can't take the money out, and that $75,000 is now, whatever, $20,000, but she needs that money. She can't touch that money, right? Okay. So... The other part is what Draper said, Tim Draper. I don't know if you saw the Tim Draper interview with Gary uh, uh, three years ago, 2018, when this interview took place. And Draper gave a system. I love what he said. And by the way, for people that don't know who Tim Draper is, Tim Draper is a beast of a guy, is who he is. Here's how he broke down the system. He says, bankers are panicking. He said this in 18. He says, this is their system. It's always been their system. Step number one, they say, this is nothing. Cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, NFT, nothing. You ain't got to worry about it. There is no way they can, you know, compete with somebody like us where Jamie Dimon's got $7 trillion of money circulating through Chase on a daily basis. That's like whatever the number they say. That's a pretty big number that they go through, right? So he says, step number one, these guys are nothing. They're not going to make it. It's just a fad. It's going to go away. Step number two, now it's too big where you have to face it, okay? So what they do is three, bankers all get together and say, we can't make this happen. What do we do? Step number four is we sue them. Step number five is we bring our government friends to say, I need a favor. I need you to sue those guys. And he's telling this to Gary when Gary wasn't yet the SEC chair. He was only the chair of the CFT, uh, uh, Commodities uh, Futures uh, Trade Commission, right? CFTC. It's like he's clairvoyant. He's, he's, exactly. Absolutely. That's what was so epic about it. I don't know if you've seen this or not. What, what did it's Gary say powerful. about it? So then Gary's trying, well, 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 but, but, but I think we're already there. But I think we're already there. And then he says, and the last one is Tim Draper, freaking mic drop. He says, it's make or buy. He says, what everybody do, all the great companies, they either make or buy. He says, you either have to choose to make a similar product, similar exchange, similar token, mm-hmm. similar wallet, or you have to buy it. And that's eventually going to happen. So that's where we are today. Now, go to politics and bring politics on board. For four years, I've been saying, when people say Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, you know, all these crypto, Patrick, this is what's going to, I said, you have to realize, there are those who are driven by freedom, leave me alone, let me do something better, and there are those that can't stand it, that you keep getting richer and more powerful. They cannot stand that you keep making money. We had Matt Zeller on yesterday, and we talked about uh, Trump, and I hate Trump. I hate Trump. You know how angry he got, and you and I had lunch at Louis Bossi. I, I like Matt Zeller. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I do too. Yeah. We're bringing him back on board. I think Matt's great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, 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 you and I talked about it during lunch, and you said what? You said why, why do you think it's such a thing about? He broke him. Yeah. That, what, what was it? There's something about Trump that yeah. makes these people and I said, violently I said, angry. I said because there there's certain people in life you're okay losing to. You're kind of like, well, listen, I lost to my cousin. <laughs> the guy kind of comes from the richest family, and he went to Harvard. I'm okay if I lose to that guy. He makes more money than me. He's more successful. It's fine. But then you have that one cousin whose mom and dad were, let's just say, you know, divorce, and one was an alcoholic, one went to jail. That cousin beats your ass in life. You can't deal with that. Right. You got to diminish him. You got to throw him. You got to do all this other stuff, right? Crypto is almost like that cousin and that coin where it's like, listen, fiat's been around for a while. Gold's been around for a while. Who the hell you think you are? 
There are a lot of people that don't want to see this happening, but there's one good thing that's happening today to the crypto community. There's more true believers today than ever before. There are more credible sources that are coming and saying, look, we're putting our money into it. We're going to fight as well. It's now the crypto community is a political party. Yep. So we're back in the days where Democrats wanted to win the black vote, and that's they a, did after Barry Goldwater. Point. That's a yeah. great after, point. When they, uh, the Democrats wanted to win the black vote, because blacks forever have been conservatives. I mean, Martin Luther King was a conservative. He was a Republican. Like, we got to win it. Barry Goldwater gave it away. Yeah. Went from 60% to 92% African-Americans voted for who? For Democrats, and they've had it since then, 92 88%. Civil Rights Act, yeah. It's been a while, right? Yep. Political parties today have to be very careful, and I think this is going to favor whoever's on the free enterprise side of the political side. Because Gary's a Democrat, Biden's a Democrat, Kamala's a Democrat, and the ones that are going after crypto are all on one side of the political party. The libertarians, the independents, which is the crypto community. Crypto community is not Republicans. They're typically independents and libertarians. Anti-establishment. Yeah, anti-establishment, which Republican is establishment to them, so is the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think what's happening right now is if, if this happens... I don't think this is just a financial issue for them. If they settle, the, you know, whatever they do, forget about that part. I think they're going to be crushed politically because it's no longer just 100,000 votes or half a million votes. You've got millions on top of millions that now have influence. I'll tell you why you're 100% right, especially with the younger community. All right. Uh, this is, again, E.B. Tucker, great, great guy we had on last week. You know, there's kids that I've coached in baseball, kids that, that I still follow that are now young adults. They've never held gold. They don't give a shit about gold. But they've been trading crypto for five years. <laughs> Absolutely. They've they've gone and they, they're they're learning blockchain technology in schools. I learned cursive. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? These kids are learning blockchain, triple ledger. They understand the technology in ways that we don't. You know, we're almost old in this. And these guys, this is this is not like new alien technology to the next generation. This is just a way of life to the next generation. So it's only going to get bigger. And they saw what government does. They saw what with, with GME, what happened with GME when the government literally stepped in and made it okay for the hedge fund not to go under. For people that don't remember what happened with GME, they overhedged on a short. Yep. Wall Street bets came out. A couple, an, you know, rogue analysts came out and said, you know, these guys are leveraged past their teeth. All you got to do is keep the keep the price above the put, and they got to pay whatever. It could go up to a million a share theoretically, and it had gotten up. It was a six dollar share. It had gotten up over three hundred and fifty dollars, oh, yeah. and it was going to go up over a thousand, and they just turned it off. You could sell the stock, right? But you couldn't buy it. No, you're right. Right. So the what the SEC did in that regard, or what they didn't do, I think I ended up getting like a class action, like $12 check from Robinhood or something right. like that. Webo, all these exchanges. If you didn't believe in the net, in the necessity for a decentralized, unregulated blockchain, like, yeah, you can lose your money on Mt. Gox, but you can also lose your money in the stock market. And they could steal from you, and they'll you have no recourse whatsoever. That right there, that... What happened with that Wall Street bets? What happened with that six million? You know, I think it's up to ten million Reddit, uh, 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 a subreddit. Is you had an entire block worldwide that lost trust and faith in the market and in regulation. Whatever little faith that they had in regulation, they lost it all yep. overnight. Pat, let me tell you how on point you are. Just a little over a month ago, 
I started a website, and I'm plugging it, but I don't make any money. There's no sponsors. It's called CryptoLaw.us, and I, I put an app in it. And all you do is you put in your address and your zip code, and you type your message, and it goes to your congressman this. This and, and your two senators. In a little over a month, 6,000 messages have been sent to these elected officials. 100 senators have been contacted by these crypto people and 420 representatives. All right, it's making a difference. They are very engaged. All right, that's an incredible number to and have 6,000 in a that month. that doesn't do anything, trust me when I tell you, you haven't been in government, that does everything. So many people don't make contact with their elected officials that the few people that do, their voice is amplified so much. I tell I tell a story from when I, I think one of the first times I was on the podcast. It was an old lady at Nun, and she thought people were speeding too fast down the church, and she would literally call and show up at the state house once a week. Hey, we need a speed. We need a speed bump. Is is there any way we can get a speed bump? I'll raise money yeah. for a speed bump. And then finally, it got to a point where it was like, we need to fast track the speed bump. I don't want to deal with this lady anymore. She was the nicest yeah. activist in history. The lady got her speed bump. It took her like four months. Right. It was just one person no. that writing an email, making a phone call, showing up at the state house, and she got her speed bump. Yeah. You know, like it, it, and it, I, the system works if you're the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And that cryptolaw.com, that's a game changer. Man. And I'm actually wrong. It's 8,000. I just remember mm. it's over 8,000 messages have been sent to them. And people are sending me some of their letters. And some of them, many of them get the form letter. Hey, thank you for contacting. Well, don't do that. Don't do the form letter. Right. Some have been doing that. I'm talking about the, out. the uh, SEC. I mean, not the SEC. The elected representatives. They're getting oh, okay, the form gotcha, letter from gotcha. the app. But some of them are actually meeting with their constituents and learning because they see where this is going. I've had people send me letters that they received from their congressmen, a couple of them here in Florida, where they said, we're going to, uh, we're, we're involved in this SEC, we're monitoring 8, it. 8,000 people, bro. 8,000 people. Look at Jersey. You just had Phil Murphy win by, what, 6,000 votes? Yeah. You think that no, he's staying? guys, listen. 8,000 people? Yeah. He's like, if they're going to write me an email, they're going to vote. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. If I'm, if I'm, liber if I'm the Democratic Party right now, the Republican Party. Uh, 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 or if I've ever, like the Rem uh, Libertarian Party that puts a candidate like George Jorgensen, love her philosophies, Bad love the philosophies. You can't sell. You're not a salesperson, yeah. right? People thought Spike it, Cohen was running. If, they, if there ever was a time that you saw an opportunity for Ross Perot was able to get to 21%, whatever, whatever the number was, 19 to that. 21% mm -hmm. as an independent, if you've ever wanted to capitalize on a part, like if today Libertarian Independent Party wanted to get to 30, 35%, like this is a market. This is not going away. But here's, here's, a, here's a concern that I got for you I'm going to go back to. So Ponzi scheme. You, you know the word Ponzi came yep. about. This was this guy. There was a guy named Ponzi. Okay, mm -hmm. so what's the whole thing about a Ponzi scheme and a pyramid scheme? You hear these words, Ponzi scheme, pyramid. Everything nowadays is called a pyramid scheme. Everything nowadays is called a Ponzi scheme. It's very easy. People drop that word regularly, right? right? NFT is being called that, you know, uh, cryptocurrency has been called that. A lot of things I've called. The, the uh, multi-level marketing has been called pyramid scheme or uh, yep. uh, Ponzi scheme. But the challenge where some people win is when there's not an actual usage of the product. Let me, let me say that one more time. There's not an actual usage of the product, meaning the product they sell is not being used. If I'm anybody right now, I want to get to the 60% number. 70% number, which means something, there's got to be 70% of the people that buy this coin use the technology, use other aspects of it rather than just 
a uh, uh, yeah. So, for example, hypothetically, uh, uh, more uh, who, uh, all these guys that are pro Bitcoin, pro Ethereum, pro you know whatever Doge. Right. You know, you just saw Elon Musk yesterday saying yep. we're not going to be taking payment for what through Doge, right? Yep. Because he says. Uh, the technology is better than X, Y, even though this started as a meme thing, it's better than uh, mm-hmm. all the other guys First with their merch, technology. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Elon Musk is doing the right thing. What Elon Musk is doing is he's making it, he's giving it credibility. So, for example, insurance companies need to start accepting Bitcoin as a payment. Like when you talked about the whole I trust capital, which is the IRA, that's great. Small businesses need to start more taking Bitcoin as a payment, Ethereum as a payment. More of these folks that are pro-crypto the future, which is that's the direction you're going decentralized. The bank can no longer bully you and do all the other stuff. Powell can no longer control your life. Any of those things, great. But there needs to be a major push into the usage of the technology rather than the investment. If they win there, I think... uh, You you are 100% on. And that's why I brought up the utility. Listen, I can make a very good argument that XRP is being utilized way more than Bitcoin mm-hmm. or Ethereum as it relates to just that token being usage. Cross-border payments, mm-hmm. uh, people get on the ledger, they send money. You, it, There's a an app, the, a, a developer independent of Ripple called Spin the Bits, and it's spending Bitcoin where he uses the XRP ledger mm-hmm. as a layer two solution to the Bitcoin network problem, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It takes 10 minutes at the low end for Bitcoin to an hour for the transaction to go on the ledger. Ripple's instantaneous. Ripple's XRP is instantaneous. Three to five seconds. And you know when you had Kurt on here and he said, you know, Bitcoin uh, is is like seven transactions, BTC on and uh, Uh, Ether, Ether is 15. Ripple XRP, the token, 1,300 per second transactions and fraction of a penny. I can move, I've watched it, I can move $2 million worth of Bitcoin for a fraction of a penny using the XRP ledger. As you said earlier, the technology is awesome. It's absolutely, in my opinion, yeah. the superior tech as far as the network. Uh, and I think when you get to usage, XRP is ahead of the game. Uh, that's, that's where you win. you win. You win there. That's my opinion. I may be wrong, but I think you win by me needing to use the product. If I use the product, it validates that it's not just an investment. Here's the problem, though, guys, right? And this is the beauty of decentralization, and this is also, you know, this is where decentralization lags behind. Who's the Patrick Bet David of, of Ripple? Who's moving the company forward from a marketing perspective? Who's out there creating the infrastructure necessary? Who's got the user interface so that everybody can get on their phone and within, you know, three seconds learn how to use the product and use all these different ledgers that we're talking about. Who's going to teach my mother how to use Ripple on a day-to-day? It was impossible to teach her how to use Venmo. It took like two years to get her get her on Venmo. You know what I'm saying? So that that's that becomes the issue with, with cryptos going forward. Who which community can come together and coagulate in, in a common direction that there's going they're going to have the Bitcoin ATMs and somebody's going to have the conversations with, you know, Mutual of Omaha and say you should be using, you know, Bitcoin to, to take payments like who's who's out there actively selling, who's out there actively marketing, who's out there actively creating infrastructure in these usage things. There's a trillion dollar industry, yeah. trillion dollar industry in the future for people that I mean, think about it. Think about the very first person who allows 
easy pass to have Bitcoin and takes right. you know one tenth of a cent of a transaction for every easy pass that goes through every toll in the country. Right. That they're 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 a, they're worth a trillion dollars. No, you're right. So I mean, like, but who who's doing that? I mean, right now, like, what who is who is pushing that technology forward? Who's the driving force behind that technology in these in these? Because these aren't like companies. They're like organizations. They're they're they're. You know, it's the beauty of it. It's the wild, wild west right well, now. That's there's the no directive. Well, two things. You'd be a great securities lawyer do you, because do you know consumptive use defeats the whole case? For for XRP or Ether gets sued, the SEC in the complaint, they have an entire section that tries to say there is no consumptive use. It is all mere speculation. There are no users of the network. So you're 100% on point. And the problem, the danger why this case is so dangerous is what you just said. Who's out there promoting it? Because once you are a promoter, are you a common enterprise? Are you leading people to a reasonable expectation of profit based on your efforts? Uh -huh. You know, if if somebody was a drug dealer that started it, is it now a RICO case? Right. Are you now complicit in international smuggling? Like, if you buy like uh, th this, this stuff's the wild west, man. The NFTs, like I, I saw, and 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 uh, you as a lawyer, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this as well. There are people out there right now, right, that are creating an NFT for three hundred dollars Ethereum. Okay, they've got a million dollars in Ethereum sitting in the bank. They buy their own NFT yeah. for a million dollars Ethereum. They spend a million dollars, but now they have the NFT and a million dollars Ethereum. Right. They sell it at a loss crazy. for half a million dollars. So they lost on the ledger a half million dollars. It took a half million dollar loss, but they got a million and a half Ethereum. Right. You could do that over and over and over. It's not illegal right now. Right. You get, you're getting a half million dollar loss and you're increasing your wealth. Is that what what's going on with the NFTs? Look, I mean, is that the idea? Think, think about think about it from this standpoint. Okay, uh, what allows the government to want to tighten up regulation on guns? What what allows it? Like, think about what helps their argument. Public perception. No, forget public perception. It's dummies who do stupid things that are irresponsible with a gun. Then the politician comes on and says, "What?" I told you, I'll save you. We, we have to, you know, and, and you know what, my Governor Newsom, I'm going to do exactly what Texas did to abortion. We're yep. going to do to guns in California. Mm -hmm. Here's what we're going to do moving forward. You can no longer buy, bah, 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 right? So meaning where I'm going with this is the following. The, the quick money, get rich quick uh, scheme type of guys are unfortunately, unfortunately, making life difficult for the rest of the guys that are doing it the right way, the long-term play-wise. And this has been going on for a while. Government, the, the, the regulators, they, 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 they love that, that 1% of the con men that, oh, yeah. that are trying to, they say, you see, yep. you see, that's exactly why <laughs> we need to protect you it might be them. from that person. It might be them. They're well, the ones going around breaking the well, windows. That's the Hegelian dialectic. To, yeah. That's the Hegelian dialectic. <laughs> Gary yeah. Gensler just did that. Just a couple weeks ago, when he brought up Bitcoin, someone brought up Bitcoin, he goes, it's being used for ransomware. Do you know what percentage that that really is being but used for? that's the play. But that's the play. That's the play. And, you know, like, for example, I, uh, uh, last year we had a couple hundred thousand dollars of uh, fake value payment consulting uh, uh, Bitcoin stolen. And we get the calls. And I get on the phone with these guys. I'm like, listen, that's not us. Right. That's not us. Look at the email you got. That's from David Crypto Specialty at 
gmail.com. I said, that's not us, buddy. We don't have that website. That's not our website. That's go look at the IP address. Oh, shit, I feel so bad. My wife is so upset at me. So so there is that going on as well. Absolutely. So there's got to be a part on, you know, a, a, a society has to either accept the fact that if that happens to you, you were the one that didn't verify the source that was coming your way, so you deserve exactly what you got. Right. Or a society needs to say, no, we need to figure out a way to eliminate 100% of that. And that's when these government people come in and they feel special that they're needed to do their job, and then they go... Uh, turn one small regulation into 78 different regulations. And then another guy comes in, try deregulating stuff. So my concern is they're going to point to these guys and say, this is why you need our help. What would you, what would you, which would you prefer in that spectrum? You know, which one I would prefer Uh, to me, I would prefer, uh, look, the whole concept of valuetainment is what education. That's the whole concept of valuetainment. Look, here's what to look out for. Here's where to be paranoid about. When you're raising money, keep these things in mind before you raise money. Ask these 10 questions. Before you're hiring somebody, ask them these five questions. Before you open up an office and sign a lease, know what the commercial real estate guy makes. Here's what their motive is. Understand risk. Don't, yeah, so, so to me, I'm all about educate, 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 educate. And then look, if you screw up, it's on you. I've screwed up. Mm-hmm. God knows how much money I've lost screwing up. That's organic regulation. And that's organic regulation. A part of that, that's got to be organic regulation. But there are those who abuse others. My punishment for abuse would go higher. My, my punishment to want to wanna hurt somebody's livelihood and their savings, if you do that, I, uh, it, it wouldn't sit very well with Less me. Less laws, but harsher consequences. Less laws, harsher consequences, my approach, mm-hmm. is what it would be. The, the problem we have, though, is it's always an extreme. It's either no regulation or it's an anti-state. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. the problem. It's, it's the financial crisis, after it came down and Dodd-Frank was passed and all that, I couldn't get a mortgage to my home, and I just wanted a home equity loan, even though I had the home was worth two-thirds what I'm asking for, and I had five times that in the savings account. Mm-hmm. But they said because one year I fell under a certain threshold at my law firm. You know, settlements yeah. were delayed or whatnot. They're, they do, they're doing the exact same thing now with COVID. They're doing the exact same thing now. They're telling people that they had a lapse of income. They were like, yeah, right. it, the, the world was shut down. Right, <laughs> but, but, but before that, anyone... It was no verification income mm-hmm. loans. It was no uh, no job verification, okay. all those things. Then the predatory so, lending. So, but the problem we have right now is when a situation like this case happens and certain government officials start picking the winners and losers. And that's there what's happened in this particular case. And I hope we have time to go over some of those conflicts. Go for it. Go ahead. All right. So I just want to share with you a couple of minutes and yeah. interject. Go ahead. Right. So Clayton gets appointed immediately. He is called. Clayton is former SEC chair. Former, thank yeah. you. Former SEC chair Jay Clayton. Immediately, he's described by Rolling Stone magazine as the most conflicted SEC chairman in the history of the United States because of his connection to the banks and the Wall Streets. At his confirmation hearing, him and Elizabeth Warren go back. He agrees that he should recuse himself, that he should never vote against one of his clients having an enforcement action. Like, he has to step back, right? So that goes on. He gets his good friend, uh, William Hinman, to become the director of corporation and finance. These guys are heavily connected. They were the, the main sponsors of Alibaba IPO and many other types of IPOs. Bill Hinman comes in. Jay Clayton is from firm Sullivan and Cromwell, okay? And Bill Hinman is from Simpson Thatcher. Well, 
immediately in December of 2017, Sullivan and Cromwell represents the co-founder of Ethereum, Joe Lubin and Consensus. And Bill Hinman has a meeting with them and they start talking. Immediately, the very next day, uh, Consensus General Counsel gets up and starts talking about how they're building this alliance with the SEC. They go on to have four to five more meetings with Consensus and the co-founders of Ether with Bill Hinman. Bill Hinman's firm wait, is wait, a I'm sorry, just so, so just so I, I can yep. track it. So you have a private law firm, the Ethereum, and then you have the SEC all together in, in meetings? Right. What you have is you have the co-founder of Ethereum, Joe Lubin, and the founder of Consensus meeting with SEC Bill Hinman, and his firm is a member of the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance. To, to what end? What, what In what capacity? What was the... What was the reasoning for the meeting? I think he's getting to it. The, re the, the reason for the meeting yeah. is because they start lobbying for a Ethereum free pass, uh, right? They want to say, hey, Ethereum, yeah, we maybe did an ICO because mm. it was the world's first ICO, but it's to sufficiently decentralized. So Jay Clayton then tells Andreessen Horowitz, which is a huge investor in crypto, right? They have the 2.2 billion mm -hmm. fund, mm -hmm. big Ether backers. He says, write a memo up for us and tell us what you want. They write a memo and a safe harbor proposal. There are multiple meetings that take place. A secret meeting in March of 28th of 2018, and it gets leaked because there's some stuff going on in there. And they propose a safe harbor for crypto, but the only crypto they mention is Ether. And then what happens on June 14th, 2018, Bill Hinman, gratuitously, as director of corporation and finance, very high up at the SEC, gives his infamous speech where he says, setting aside the fundraising that took place with Ether, it is sufficiently decentralized today, and therefore current sales of Ethereum are no longer considered a security. He goes on CNBC. And he says, well, you know, when we look at Ethereum, we don't see a third-party promoter. You just had a meeting with him. It's a backroom deal. You just had meetings with him. He had a meeting on June 8th. Six days before the speech, he had a meeting with the yeah. promoter. So he gets up there and says, we don't see it. In criminal law, this sounds like a proffer meeting almost. And then, it, absolutely. Then all the people start asking, well, what about XRP? XRP was actually number two at the time behind Bitcoin. And it was battling Ether for the number two spot. Oh, we're not going to comment on any of further tokens. Joe Lubin then goes out and starts basically saying what the SEC is going to do. He says, we're working with the SEC. They gave Ether a pass. They gave Bitcoin a pass. All these other coins. He literally says this are, are absolutely spectacularly disadvantaged compared to Ether. They didn't mention XRP. That's very interesting. He says the SEC is going to be coming after certain projects. All of this takes place, right? In the meantime, Bill Hinman is collecting $15 million from his law firm while he's at the SEC, which is a member of the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, right? Sullivan and Comrell, which represents Jay Clayton's firm, that's his firm, they represent Consensus and the co-founder of Ethereum. Wow. Right? All of that's going down. Now, listen to this. Just before the lawsuit happens, now in the meantime, in the meantime, Ripple's allowed to buy 9% of MoneyGram and use XRP. It's actually, they're giving it to MoneyGram, who's then selling it on exchanges for dollars. 
they they Coinbase in January of 2019 goes to the SEC and says, look, our securities lawyers have decided that XRP is not a security. We want to list it. What do you say, SEC? SEC doesn't say anything. One month later, XRP is listed on Coinbase. Then, in October, One River comes out and they make a one billion bet on Bitcoin and Ethereum. That's in October. It also consensus decides that they're going to buy Quorum, which is a competitor to Ripple. They're trying to replace SWIFT, the messaging and money uh, banking system, basically, which is what Ripple was in completely focused on. And then on the last day, you've got, on a three-to-two vote, who does Clayton go with? He goes with the two Democrats, even though he's a Republican. Votes to file the suit against Ripple as he's walking out the door. His excuse has been reported, well, he deferred to the staff. The director of enforcement leaves three weeks later to go to Simpson and Thatcher. Clayton left. Bill Hinman left. All of these senior people who were supposed to foresee this case, right, and see it through, all leave. Two weeks before what I mentioned earlier, before this happens, Joseph Grunfest, former SEC commissioner who helped Ethereum, writes, and I got the letter here, writes to Clayton and the commissioners and says, listen, you've never made a material distinction between Ether and XRP. If XRP is a security, Ether is a security. If you're going to allow XRP, uh, Ether to be traded, you got to let mm. them trade it. He even goes as far I as got to 15 million reasons why that's not true. He, he goes as far as to say, if you file this lawsuit, it calls into question the commission's discretion. This is like a damn John Grisham novel, right? man. He says that. And so what happens? Jay Clayton votes for the lawsuit. The two Democrats vote for it. The lawsuit's filed. They all leave. Jay Clayton goes to One River, Bitcoin and Ether. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The people that helped write the Hinman speech, and by the way, these are all facts. On Crypto Law, we have a video library of all these interviews. You're getting dangerously close to making an allegation here. All right. And, and I will tell you, they basically um, uh, come out, and, and Bill Hinman now works. He's a partner with the Ether investors who helped write the speech that gave Ether a free pass. And, and that's not an allegation, that's facts, because lawyers who are part of the meeting have come out and said, I didn't think Ether was sufficiently decentralized, but Bill Hinman did. I'm not sure why he did. 15 million reasons might tell you why, mm-hmm. being a partner at a 2.2 billion. So here's the thing about allegation. I'm not saying that they broke a law, but what I'm saying, tell me there's not enough for an independent investigation. That's all we want. We want an independent investigation. In the meantime, don't take John Deaton's word for it, an independent organization in power is in litigation with the SEC because they won't turn over documents. They won't give us Bill Hinman's calendar. How is a guy who's being paid by tax dollars, director of corporation finance, they won't give us his calendar to who he met, when he met. They won't release it. The, this independent organization that sued the SEC asked for any ethics discussions between Bill, between Clayton and the SEC about his post-employment, Hinman, 
They say there's no documents or they won't give the documents. Even the Freedom of Information Act, they won't give it? They're, right. This Are they going to do 75 years? 75 years now for the Freedom of Information? <laughs> right. That's and so, so that's all in litigation. But that's what's going on. Mm. You know what I mean? And so what I'm doing is saying, listen, you want to go after Ripple? Go after Ripple. Go after Brad Garland House. I don't care. Well, you are destroying people's lives by attacking the token itself. And why did you allow the MoneyGram to happen? Why did you allow Coinbase to do it? How, how, how does Coinbase go in there and say, we're going to list XRP unless you tell us otherwise? And then they don't. And they list it. And then 18 months later, as he's walking out the door, he slaps the lawsuit. They weren't told no yet. Right, but it's what I'm saying, and so... Let me ask you, who hates? Uh, if you were to make a list of people who hate XRP, who would you say hate XRP? Not not dislike, who hate it? Joe Lubin, who is the co-founder of Ethereum, the founder of Consensus. We have him on video saying XRP is overvalued, XRP is a shitcoin, uh, XRP this, XRP is not a competitor, and so we're not worried about it. The day of the Hinman speech where he gave Ether the free pass... Joe Lubin goes on the same stage right after Bill Hinman, and he says these words. He says, oh, uh, by the way, I didn't get to read all of the, the speech. Did they bring up XRP? And the moderator goes, no. He goes, well, isn't that interesting, right? He goes on later in interviews to say that the SEC is going to be coming after certain projects, and, and he hints that it's going to be um, XRP. And, and the thing that, um, that you have to understand is the guy who's saying XRP's not a competitor, XRP's not a competitor. Why is it the first token you bring up after you're given the free pass? And the other thing that the SEC won't give us is did you know that 63 emails went out with that draft speech that gave Ether a free pass? Do you know who was the only commissioner to get a, a draft version mm. of it. Who's that? Jay Clayton. Did you know Crypto Mom herself, Hester Peirce, never saw it? How do you draft Why? This? Why would Clayton even be involved in that, that draft? Like, why would he even... He gave input. He's the only commissioner. Bill Hinman was deposed. Ripple was successful in getting him deposed. Of course, they redact everything yeah. to the public. And uh, I have it here. If you want to see it, They the lawyers ask him, did you ever uh, represent... How much uh, is redacted? Ethereum. 90%. Let me, can I see? This, not, is, this goes to, Pat, you were telling a story a couple weeks back about you, now were, this is, you were at Harvard, and you, you said that there was a guy who was having trouble. He said, just find a congressman, pay him a half a million dollars, that and he's going through an election, and he'll help you put up a law to hurt them. This is it? Yeah. Now, in he, action. He's asked questions like, have you ever worked for Ethereum Foundation? Look at the answers. Look at the freaking, look at the redactions. All right, and this isn't the whole, this isn't look the whole. Look at this. This isn't the whole. Dude, are you kidding me? This is insane. Now, now, why would they redact, Pat, if he's asked a question, have you ever had clients that are part of the Ethereum Foundation? If I represent you and your business, I can't talk about what we talk about. John, is this public record? No, it was an exhibit that's that's public record. Can we show show this? Oh, yes, yes, you can show it. Absolutely. So I don't know if people can see this. But and this it's pages is, of that. This is an entire page of every single word on the page redacted, and there's 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 pages of it. This is your this is your transparent Securities Exchange Commission. Holy moly! 
you, you were going somewhere. You were going somewhere about this, uh, why they would do this. Well, I, what I was saying is it's not even privileged. There's no reason to redact it. Someone could ask me, are you the lawyer for Pat? I say, sure. I'm not going to tell you what we talk about. But it's not, I can't say, you know what I mean? These firms yeah. brag. If you go on his firm, Simpson Thatcher, they'll brag. We represent Google. We represent Yahoo. We were part of the Alibaba IPO. They brag about who their clients are. But in a deposition on taxpayer dollars, we can't get to know what this your conflicts This shit gets me fired up, man. I got Because what do you do? What do you do as a citizen? You're trying to live your life. You're trying to play by the rules. They're, they're setting the rules. You're trying to play by the rules. And then they come, and whenever they want, they change them, and then you get no recourse. The way you feel right now is the way I felt on Christmas Eve this time last year. I felt just like that, and that's why I filed the lawsuit. It's a helpless, infuriating feeling, man. This is the type of shit that makes you want to get, get the— But here's a question for you. Yep. Um, so— so the bigger names that are supporters of Ethereum, it's not small names. No. These are big names. Big. Right? Uh, the big uh, uh, hedge funds that are bullish on uh, Ethereum, these are not small names. These are very, very well-known names, right, that you're, you're talking about. Fortress, yep. ARK Investment Group, uh, Brevin, Renaissance Tech. There's some of these bigger names. Billions. That are, yeah, billions. So which means they have access to uh, 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 they are banking on them being it. So is this a situation where Ethereum um, doesn't want an XRP and it's a form of wanting to eliminate competition? Is that all it is? Or it's a form of let's get rid of these guys and let's not put the attention on us. Let's get the attention to XRP. Is that kind of what this is? Sure. I think Joe Lubin said it best. I said when he said that every altcoin is supposed is spectacularly disadvantaged when compared to Ethereum. He said, Bitcoin and Ether, we've been blessed. We have the regulatory pass. We have the free pass. These other folks don't. Yeah. And, and look at how much activity went to Ethereum mm -hmm. since that speech in 2018. What, half of NFTs are on Ethereum? Well, more this than article just came out. Right, I'm looking at this article. Ethereum, Joe Lubin, defense SEC, Emmett Ripple lawsuit. Uh, as the SEC is facing a, a barrage of criticism for its uh, sc uh, scattershot approach to regulatory cryptocurrencies, the much-feared regulatory agency has a supporter within the industry. <laughs> Consensus CEO Joe Lubin. And in a recent interview with The Information, Lubin, who is known as one of Ethereum co-founders, claims that the SEC chair Gary uh, uh, demands for greater authority in regulating cryptos are justified. The head of <laughs> Ethereum Development Studio says that the agency has a lot of legit arguments may have legit arguments in the cases that are being discussed right now, while R uh, Ripple, the company that was sued by SEC in December over its unregistered security sales, accuses the agency of stifling innovation in the U.S. Lubin does not think that is the case. I don't believe the SEC is trying to squelch innovation, and he continues making other comments about it. Ripple's adamant that XRP was treated unfairly by the SEC. A speech by William Hinman, the SEC's former top official, in which he said that Ether was not an unregistered security, became a breeding ground for conspiracy theories about potential interests within the XRP community. Some are convinced that Hinman had skin in the game merely because of his ties to Simpson Thatcher Law Firm, which is member of the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance. Yet the SEC made it clear that it has not taken an official position on its regulatory status, and Hinman was only expressing his personal opinion. Ripple CEO Brad 
is careful about his words choice, steering clear of peddling free pass conspiracy theories. In a recent interview, however, he said that the timing of the lawsuit was suspicious. Yep. So now why is uh, everybody likes Dogecoin? What is Brad's issue with Dogecoin? You know, I don't know other than I think it comes down to the utility argument that you brought up where you said Elon's being smart. Elon knows exactly what you said, right? So he's going to get, you know, him and Mark Cuban, who's also into Doge, they're, they're selling their merchandise, Dallas Maverick merchandise, Tesla merchandise, and they're using, Smart. They're using Doge yeah. as a means of payment. Yeah. And so it's going to drive it up. And, um, and he's right. The, 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 the reality is Dogecoin as a means of payment yeah. transaction yeah. is better than Bitcoin on the network. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Bitcoin right now, it's digital gold, it's a store of value, and that's why you should buy it. That's the use case for Bitcoin. You know, Ethereum, it's the smart contracts, and they're the 2.0 eventually, and all that's going to happen. That's their story. With Ripple, it is these superior payment transactions. You can literally send, there's a guy named Michael Arrington, and he moved $50 million um, into his uh, uh balance sheet mm -hmm. and it cost them thirty dollars well that that's the, XRP. Uh, that was wow. the argument that i had heard against xrp was the the drug trafficking argument like okay you can uh, you can buy two million dollars of cocaine and have it in uh you know colombia for 30 bucks in in 10 minutes and that's you know so it's gonna it's gonna make the the drug trafficking uh international drug trafficking and, and all smuggling you know that that much easier and, and i'm saying like well they're doing it anyway well it's <laughs> like, also it's also listen the, the it's all fun about the criminal stuff because it's a public ledger the cia and the fbi have come out and said that they basically hope that terrorism use the, the sure. distributed ledger. You can find them. It's an open ledger. Yeah, we can Pomp get on said it right that now. as well. Pomp well, said that as well. Ledger. Yeah, he, he, he said that this is better for the FBI because now they can catch the bad guy better. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he said. Well, Pat, they're full of shit anyway, man, because, look, they got a problem with the technology <laughs> yeah. that could do this, but then the president's son is selling a painting for $2 million. Like, okay, and then we're just supposed it's to believe beautiful this. painting. This guy's incredible. <laughs> I mean, this guy's incredible. Like, it's, I'd rather have the laptop. Though. Shame on you for discrediting <laughs> yeah. his uh, abilities. How, how dare I? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, it's uh, he's a he's a real um, he's a real crack uh, artist with the paintbrush. But I, I can't speak for Brad. I just think it comes down to that utility argument. Well, I'll read the article to you on why he said that. So here's the article that just came out on why he has an issue. I think it's on page. Uh, uh, five, let me see here uh, uh, on the bottom. Okay, here we go. Bitcoin news. Uh, Dogecoin is loved by all except Brad uh, Garlinghouse. Dogecoin is arguably one of the world's most popular, most successful cryptocurrencies in the world. Starting out as a joke roughly eight years ago, and the currency has been established as one of the most leading digital assets of today. As a market cap of around uh, uh, more than a billion dollars and has garnered attention from Elon and Mark Cuban. Clearly, it's a popular coin, and everyone seems to like it except Brad Garland Gauss, the CEO of Ripple, in a recent interview stated that the asset was not good in the long run when it came to expansion of the crypto space. He mentioned, I'm actually not convinced, somewhat controversially, I guess, that Dogecoin is good for the crypto market. Dogecoin has some inflationary uh, uh, dynamics itself that would make it reluctant to hold. It's interesting that these words are coming from Brad, whose coin XRP was ultimately outdone by Dogecoin. At one point, Doge eventually rose so high early this year that it became world's fourth largest cryptocurrency by the market and beat out XRP now, uh, though now things have calmed down a bit, pushing Doge to the side. Garlinghouse stated that the still feels Bitcoin holds the top position in crypto. When it came down to crypto uh, currency serving as an inflationary hedge tool, he com commented, when people are concerned about holding a fiat currency that might be inflating 
and that's devaluing they're looking at. How can I hold other assets that won't have that same inflationary dynamic? His main issue with Dogecoin is that currency does not employ inflationary barricades the way Bitcoin does. As of now, Doge has approximately 132 billion units outstanding, while an additional 5 million new coins enter circulation every year. So I guess that's the reason why he has an issue with them in regards to inflationary barricades. Well, XRP is, you know, it has 100 billion. It's not going to get any more. It's sort of the similar argument to Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Instead of 21 million, it's 100 billion. And... Uh, uh, but at the same time, you know, everyone's in their tribe in crypto. Crypto is just like a microcosm of everything else in society. Everyone's in their tribe. You know, when you had Kurt on, uh, he's a BSV guy. Yeah. That's it. Like, you asked him, well, is there going to be two or three coins that are going to, you know, come out of this and be winners? Yeah, no, BSV is the one true god. You know, that was it. Whereas I take that position. There's, what, 7,000 coins. Most of them are going to go away. But there's going to be, you know, a handful that make it. I think XRP is going to make it in the payment sector. I think Bitcoin is going to continue to be that digital gold, you know, uh, store of value. And if Ethereum, if they end up figuring it out, then I think it could ultimately flip Bitcoin. Even mm -hmm. you know it I mean? could flip Bitcoin. Even. I think it I could. Think so. Listen, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, you're the XRP attorney, and you're hating yeah. on Ether." I have a higher investment in Ethereum than I do XRP. This. This isn't about me. This is about what's right. What's right. It's about that reaction that you had as you were learning this, mm -hmm. right? And the only difference is I have a law degree, and I said I can do something about it. He, he, but I read somewhere the supporters of XRP. I saw Kutcher. I saw Madonna, Snoop Dogg. Yep. But the most random character, Bill Clinton. Yeah, they— well, uh, What is Bill Clinton and XRP? Well, let me tell you something about Ripple. You know, you, we've already went over their, their, uh, yeah. their defense lineup, yeah. right? Their lawyers. They had Bill Clinton be their keynote speaker at their annual event. On their board just this year is a former U.S. Um, Treasury. The, the, her name, Rosie something, is uh, Rios, is on the dollars and the $100 bills. She was the treasurer of the United States. She's on their board. So they have top-notch people from the industry, uh, not just the crypto industry, but the financial industry. So are they putting Bill Clinton on that list because he spoke at an event, or are they putting Bill Clinton on that list because he owns XRP? Maybe they paid him an XRP to speak. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I, I don't think know it's more that. about just that list. He's a fiat guy. That, I don't you know, know why. For, former president coming on board. Yeah, because because it's the right guy to have on your side because you're dealing with a lot of liberals on the opposing side that want to, you know, regulate the hell out of you. And a phone call from Bill Clinton and even scarier phone call is from his wife. Yeah. You kind of have to take that call and say, all just, right, Hillary, we'll, we'll you, leave XRP alone. Just think of that sentence that you said, man. 2021 is such a trip. What's that? There's a lot of liberals that want to regulate you. Yeah. Like, these words don't even mean anything yeah. anymore. You know who owns XRP? Hmm. Tim Draper. I know. He owns XRP yeah, and uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. Jordan Belfort? Jordan Belfort uh, owns XRP. And I think uh, Jason Derulo. And maybe Jason Exhibit, Derulo. maybe Exhibit, I think I saw him on Twitter, exhibit. My, my own One XRP. of my favorite Exhibit songs of all time. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had back in the 90s, yeah. But uh, uh, it's a shame. Uh, uh, people in the rap game, only for the money and the fame. Extra large, <laughs> right. remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, like, uh, uh, that was years ago. And do, the do opening you, uh, was sick. Pat, do you think, you know, and, and John, feel free to, to chime in on this. Do you think government has always been this overtly corrupt or are we just finally seeing it because of access to information i actually think this is the most annoying time to be a corrupt uh, government official because social media is the ultimate great equalizer so if they control yeah, right. the great equalizer which is 
social media. Why do you think so many people out of nowhere started saying how much they hate Facebook? I'm sorry, why do you hate Facebook? Well, why, why do you hate Facebook? Okay, so t- take Twitter out. Does Trump get elected? No. If Twitter is not started, your president is today, your president today is Hillary Clinton. Absolutely. If Jack Dorsey and those guys don't start today to Twitter, your president is Hillary Clinton today. Well, she gave a great speech. Her picture's on a wall, right? And she, unfortunately, she would have not had the master class, which is a shame because that master class on how to handle the loss would have never been there, right? And that Newsweek magazine would have never been there because that Newsweek magazine would have been official. So, Kate McKinnon with that so, great so, SNL opening. So I think, I think all of these... Uh, 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 government officials who were able to play the games back in the days, like what he's, you know, what you're showing right now with uh, what do you call it, the um, uh, uh, redactions, the, the redact- yeah, uh, uh, is what's that 50 years ago? What's that 100 years ago? Right. What's that, what's, you show this right now, a person who's extremely interested in this. Guess what's the first thing they're doing? What are you talking about? I'm going to Google it. Back mm. then, you couldn't Google it, like right? The Kennedy files. They just buried the Kennedy files for all those years. Y- Roswell. Yeah. So you know, Bob Bob Curzon and I will have. He's a former uh, chairman of Limbra, and uh, uh, he sits uh, currently. I think he uh, as a board member for. Uh, I think a consultant for Bain, and he was a former president with Hartford back in the days. A credible guy, lots of uh, experience in insurance. Bain, Bain Capital? That's, Bain Capital, uh, yeah. Mitt Romney? Well, it used to be Mitt Romney. Yeah. Mitt's not been a part yeah. of that for a while. But yeah, Bain is a top 10 biggest hedge fund in the world. It's one of the bigger ones. Bob sits on our board. Bob and I are in Dallas last week. We're having our annual uh, big board meeting that we have, and we're having conversations. And during lunch, he says, during dinner at uh, uh, Dakota, he says, how much do you read? Like, Every time I'm talking, like, how much do you read? Are you always reading? Are you always, you know, collecting data? And we're going through it, and uh, he asked a question about this one guy that used to be a big insurance trainer back in the days, and I Google him. And I say, you talking about this guy? He says, yeah. And then 30 minutes later, he says, you know, when I was coming up in the game, I couldn't get an answer to any question as quickly as you just got it. The edge your generation has over me is any question can be answered like this. I had to go to the library to find the articles that that guy wrote to find the book. Access Because I couldn't even get the book. You couldn't go find the book. You had to wait a few weeks to go find who sells an older book of a guy. Today, boom, 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 boom. So access to information. The speed of access to information has both positive and negative. The, positive, the negative to me is we get angrier faster. We have anxiety more than ever before. Yeah. Stress higher before. You know, arguments are higher because I want to fight you now. Back in the days, I had 30 minutes till I came home to fight my wife. Today, I can fight you right now while I'm driving and texting and calling. And yeah, so you're, you're literally never off the clock. You're never off the clock. That 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 is like heroin, man. It's so addicting right yeah, now. They yeah. used to say the average person touches this 150 times a day. What 150 times a day? <laughs> it's a couple thousand times nowadays, yeah. right? But the positive side of what this has done is these politicians, these the, the establishment, they hate this. Yeah, but it doesn't stop them. Well, yeah, but you know the scene where Joe Pistone got all these mobsters arrested and they all walked out and one by one by one by one? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think, uh, uh, you know, a scene like that could be happening very soon, and it needs to happen one time. That's all needs to happen yeah. to set the tone. Publicly. It needs, needs to happen one time. It needs to happen one time. All these guys talk about, when's the last time you saw... You know, a person that's, you know, with money, never get arrested and all this other stuff. When's the last time you saw, when's the last time you saw politicians walking up for manipulation behind closed doors and all this other stuff? I'm going to give credit to AOC, which is something I rarely do. You know what AOC said the other day? She said, uh, I don't own any stock. Why not? 
She says, I think it's not fair for people in office like myself to own and invest in any stock because we have more access to information than the rest of you do. That's a shot at Nancy Pelosi. That's a shot at Nancy Pelosi. And the best portfolio tracker of all time. Exactly. (laughs) The best portfolio tracker of all time. TikTokers follow what her husband does next, and boom, 88%, whatever the number is. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So, you know... You know, there's people like that that are going to annoy the hell out of the establishment. Yeah. She's a socialist. Economically, we're completely on opposite sides. Yeah. But if there's one thing you may be on the same side with her, she's anti-establishment, mm-hmm. full-on anti-establishment. So I, I, I don't think the days of playing politics and games and all that stuff. Can you pull up what Elizabeth Warren and Elon Musk just went through? <laughs> Did you see that Twitter <laughs> war they had? That was great. It was beautiful, man. Yeah. So he, Elizabeth Warren says, let's change the rigged tax code so the person of the year will actually pay taxes and stop freeloading off of everyone else. <laughs> like she's trying to that, get that, her audience. That's not even the best one. He had two other not tweets that are that Do you are have the rest of it? You got to get the rest of it. Yeah. That's not it. And then Elon Musk responds and says, "Please don't call the manager yeah. on me, Senator Karen." Yeah. He's yeah. like, yeah. he's like, you're like that one lady that just always gets mad at everybody. Yeah, she for says no you're reason. like one of my friends, uh, old lady moms that were always angry. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. To answer Gerard, I to answer your question. I think Pat's hundred percent right. I think the revolving door's always been there, but they've gotten to the point where this is just blatant. You yeah. Know what I mean, this is so blatant, but they did not count on. The social media. I wouldn't be sitting here right now being interviewed by you guys if it wasn't for Twitter and it wasn't for the social media, the XRP army utilizing it. Jay Clayton, you know, we've been hitting uh, CNBC uh, every day. They bring Jay Clayton on, who is a contributor to CNBC, and they'll, they ask him a question and it just says, hey, that your critics say there's a conflict, and he goes, I'm not going to comment. And then they brought him on today again, and she goes, listen, everywhere I go, it's the same question. You know, are you going to address the ethics issue? And he goes, I'm not going to talk about pending litigation. There's no pinning litigation about your ethics, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, we're questioning that, your integrity, and you won't defend yourself. That doesn't sound like you. You were the former SEC chairman of the United States yeah. Securities Exchange Commission, and you can't answer a few questions? But, th- but this is kind of where I'm going with that, is, like, this is what it half scares me and half infuriates me. I feel like, you know, learning history from before I was alive, at least these people had the, the good sense to try to hide their corruption. Exactly. There was a fear of public retribution. Now, we may not have had access to the information, but there was a fear like, oh, my God, these people find out we're in big trouble. That just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, what they're doing with, with, with the, you know, what the, the FTC is doing with, with the Pfizer shots, and, yeah, we'll let you know what's in them. We'll let you know what we knew right. in 55 years. Now it's 75 years. Right. That, on its base point, I mean, that, that's just so insulting. It's so infuriating yep. that you, you threatened people's livelihoods. You said, you got to get this or you're not going to be allowed to fly. You're not going to, we're going to get you fired from your job unless you get this thing. Okay, what's in it? You, we'll tell you in 75 years. What? Like, right. bro, what? Like, and and it, it's not just that. It's over and over and over again, the overt corruption that they just, they do it and then they move on. And, they, and there's literally, there's this air of like, yeah. Yeah, we did it. What are you going to do about it? How many times has J.P. Morgan and, and uh, Goldman Sachs been fined for manipulating gold and silver markets? And it just keeps happening and happening. You know, if you make a billion, you're willing to pay a hundred million dollars. Yeah, it's a good business model. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. Yeah. Absolutely. So you know, the the infuriate, and, and I don't know, is it so? Is that on the public? We have access to this information, but we don't hold these people accountable. Is that on us? Is this have we just has this environment just created a new brand of overtly corrupt? 
politicians that just don't care what the public thinks. They feel insulated from any sort of... I mean, Maxine Waters literally told people to go burn down American cities. Literally did. It's like, get out there. If you, if, you see, if you see people that you politically disagree with in restaurants, make it hard on them. Yep. You know, that's terrorism. That's that's the literal definition of terrorism. Well, I mean, using it, violence to promote politics is the literal definition I, of terrorism. Again, that that is why that is why the people want to see an anti-establishment in the White House. That's why half the country wants to see an anti-establishment person in the White House to see if they're going to hold those people accountable. It's the biggest part. Look, you know, they say uh, people get into politics with the right intentions. I'm going to go uh, correct this injustice that's happening. And you're in it for a year, three years, five years, eight years. A re-election's coming up. You need a favor. You give this guy the favor. He gives you the money. You get reelected. Now you're part of the establishment. Now you're a crusade, your cause. You were a true believer. You're no longer a statesman. Now you're officially what? You're part of the establishment. You're done. And they're going to hold you to it for the rest of of your life. It's game over with, right? Okay. This is why uh, a person that's coming that's not part of the establishment, that annoys the hell out of everybody, is what America needs today. Because if they talk about the stuff that these guys don't, they go to the same country clubs, they go to the same parties, they go hang out at the same they places. They were the same fraternities yeah. in college, man. You, you want to pull out what Musk said? This is the whole Twitter. It says, stop projecting. <laughs> you remind me uh, of uh, when I was a kid and my friend's angry mom would just randomly yell at everyone for no reason. Please don't call the manager on me, Senator Karen. <laughs> just look at her. She looks like she's not really that happy with her life. You yeah. know, She looks bitter and upset and, and frustrated. And this idea that Elon Musk doesn't pay taxes, it's just like, again, it, 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 it's just such gaslighting. It's such nonsensical bullshit. How much do you think he pays in payroll taxes alone? How many jobs have they created? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I want to know. The, the, How many yeah. jobs have the these politicians The infrastructure that, that yeah, 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 like what what have they added? Listen, you know, I, I, I can tell you, I lived, I grew up in Detroit, single mother, welfare, food stamps. Growing up, I did not hate the wealthier rich man. I want to know what he knew. Yeah. What can you tell me that I don't know so that I can do that? I, this class warfare has just gotten out of hand. You know what I mean? Well, they're and, doing and it on purpose. It's like, uh, can you imagine that we're going to only tax unrealized gains of billionaires? Unrealized gains? Yeah. Unrealized gains. Unrealized gains. Did that come out of your mouth? <laughs> that you're going to tax someone for unrealized gains? So, so Elon Musk. You're going to tax on the money Elon, you haven't made. Elon yet. Musk's stock price goes through the roof. We're going to tax him, but then when it crashes, when there's a recall or something, yeah. he can't write it off. Did you Did you see the article about uh, what's going on in LA right now? Because you know the, all these guys that are saying this stuff. Sometimes they say this unrealized gains. Defund the police. That's a good idea. And then they're like, oh, shit, we didn't say it. The Republicans said defund the police. No, no, you came up with defund the police. Yes. And now they're all increasing their budget to hire cops because in L.A., did you see what happened in L.A. at the Grove? Like what okay. they have around the Grove? Did you Did you see what the— Type in L.A. Grove fence. Did you see what the LAPD put out for travelers coming to L.A.? No. They're like, don't wear anything flashy. Yeah. If somebody if somebody tries to rob you, yeah, don't try to negotiate them. Just give them what they click want. On Look at this. This is CNN. Famous L.A. shopping center adds barbed wire-like fence to deter smashing grabs. Wow. This, is, this isn't—we're talking about CNN here. Look at this. This doesn't make any sense. Businesses are worried today in L.A. FYI, 
Yesterday, somebody sent a story saying uh, 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 a famous. Uh, Look at uh, that. Look at that. That's crazy. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, by the way. The wire fencing like, uh, is. The in Apple place, store in Portland. Did you, ever, did you, you pull up the Apple store in Portland after this? Watch this. The wire fencing in place didn't fully deter a robbery at the Grove on November 22nd when a group of 18 to 20 looters used sledgehammers and an electric bicycle to smash into the complex Nordstrom after hours. They managed to steal at least 5,000 of merchandise and cause $15,000 in damages through police later recovered merchandise, arrested three people in connection with the burglary. The video, somebody sent me a video yesterday, so check this out. Guy walks in, takes stuff. He's at Walmart. They can't say anything to him. He just walks out. He's not running out. He just walks out. Then he walks out. He ties his shoelaces outside (laughs) in front of the stairs. You're... You, you just thought you're supposed to run. That's the protocol. He's tying his shoelaces. I got I'm no cool. Time. I'm not going to get arrested going. So someone said, like, oh, people are leaving L.A. I said, dude, you have not seen the ex- exodus California is about to experience. It hasn't started yet. People think it started because Elon, you know, all these guys have Joe left. Joe Rogan, Elon. It hasn't even started yeah. yet. Just wait. Just wait uh, uh, to see what happens there. But uh, – yeah, so these policies that uh, you're talking about. By the way, I went and looked at the Stock Act that came up with. Some people are talking about that AOC has money and all this other stuff. U.S. News did an article saying, what are Congress members trading? Uh, in 2013, a amendment to the Stock Act came up, made some changes, clouding the transparency and access- accessibility of Congress members' financial uh, transactions. Most not- notably, it re- uh, removed the requirement for electronic filing in a searchable, sortable database of transactions. However, one useful aspect of the legislation, which requires members to publicly report financial transactions in stocks, bonds, and other assets within 45 uh, days, yeah. that remains, which is good. This is why people know what Pelosi owns. But but yeah. there are still people that are skirting that, like Republican Tommy Tuberville, the ex-football coach. He, he, refuses, <laughs> he refuses to admit what he sells all the time. Like He got caught uh, selling Alibaba stock months after he sold it. Now he's got... Uh, by the way, for people that don't want to look it up, Tommy Tuberville has some massive short puts on both Apple, Microsoft, and uh, first quarter of 2022. I think uh, Mr. Tuberville just became a tr- three trillion dollar company. If you believe, first. if you believe Tommy Tuberville, he thinks that the first quarter of 2022 is going to be brutal. I share that opinion. So this I, is, I think you share too. that opinion. I, I I have the opinion. I also, fair disclosure, had the opinion that Bitcoin was going to run up by now, but I think it's going to run up in the first quarter, followed by a massive sell-off on crypto, um, uh, tech stocks. How bad, how bad do you think it's going to be? 2022? 30%. 30%. So you think Bitcoin's going to drop to what, 25, 30? I th- my prediction, Bitcoin hits over 100,000 and drops back to where it is today. So, oh, okay. You know yeah, I mean? So it's, you're not saying it's going to drop to 20 or 15 or 30 or anything like that? I mean, it could. I think it's going to be a massive. I think there's too much money in it right now. Yeah. But after the run-up, I think, the, I think it could go from 100 50 back to 50. Yeah, that's 30. not that's but, not a that's not something that's going to move the the uh, the long play guys. What does right. uh, uh, Palm say? Nearly 85 percent of uh, Bitcoin owners never sell their Bitcoin. They that's keep true. it. They just sit on it. So these are not guys that are churning and burning. Of course, yeah. the other 15 percent is just buying it as a Absolutely. stock, and they're you know pumping dump. But many of the true believers are hanging on to it. Why, why do you think the first quarter of 2022 is going to be so bad? Are, are, are the holiday revenues not going to be what they normally are? Is that what the idea is here? Like, why on earth? I mean, it could start be happening now. I, I Obviously, no one can time the market. You know what I mean? I just uh, think that... Senators seem to do it pretty good. Well, that's true. Uh, they're talented. They're smart. <laughs> they, they have degrees from uh, Columbia said, University. They seem to do it pretty say, good. Uh, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a different kind of a, a world they're living in. Uh, 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 let me let me see which other story I wanted to bring up here before we wrap up. Bible, did you hear about Keanu Reeves? What uh, Keanu Reeves talked yeah, about? Yeah. So interesting uh, take on Keanu Reeves. Uh, did you see that one girl whose story went viral? Yeah, with the mother. How awesome is that? Mom's like, I'm about to take a picture with Keanu Reeves. She's like, I have no idea who this guy is, but I'll what? take a picture with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Like, whatever. And yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. It was viral. Here's Keanu Reeves. Okay. Matrix star Keanu Reeves owns crypto, skeptical of NFTs, says we cannot have metaverse be invented by Facebook. Famous Hollywood actor and cryptocurrency metaverse and some fundamental tokens. During the interview, Reeves commented on the metaverse and Facebook, the social media giant that recently changed its name to Meta. Can we just not have metaverse be invented by Facebook, he yeah. said. On the subject of non-fungible tokens, Reeves was asked whether he has seen Matrix NFTs for the upcoming Matrix Resurrection movie. He admitted that he has not seen them and wondered if he and Moss are getting paid at all for them. <laughs> <laughs> when asked what he thought about the concept of digital scarcity, Reeves laughed and added that they are still easily reproduced. What are your thoughts on NFTs? Well, I, I think the whole metaverse is, is I'm trying to get my arms. head around it. I really am. Yeah. But like, for example, Nike, you're going to be able to go in the metaverse mm -hmm. and go into a Nike store in the metaverse and buy a non-fungible token and then come out to the real world and then buy that real world shoe yeah like it's it's an interplay but i mean do i have some mana some sand i have some of those tokens but uh i'm still trying to get my head around it you know the uh, buying land in the metaverse pat just told you man if you're on your phone 2500 3500 times a day the next <laughs> the next uh the next progression is in the phone, man. Right. And um, again, it, the dopamine is going to be something that our brains are not going to be able to get off of. You're going to be able to live your life as your idealized self in the in the metaverse. You want to be six foot five. You want to have abs. You want right. to dunk. You want you you want your girlfriend to look like Barbie. All of that's possible in the metaverse. It's not possible in the real world. So, what do you two think of NFTs? I think it's a beautiful way to launder money. Yeah. I don't think it's going away. I think it's been around for a while. I mean, if you played any video games and you would buy the additional stuff that would come with it, buy a weapon for five bucks, buy this for ten bucks, buy this for twenty bucks. I remember one time, me and my friends, okay, Stephen Alpha, were in where were we? We're in Panama, okay, and we're at the uh, Panama Canal, and my friend is sitting there on his phone, playing this game. I don't know what a clash of something. So he's playing this game. Clash of Titans. Clash of Titans. Yeah. And, and I said, so what, what's going on here? And one of the guys says, you know, he spent already $5,000 on that game. I said, how much? He said, $5,000. I said, what do you do with $5,000 on this game? He said, get video games. Like, I remember Street Fighter was $74.95. I remember when he came out, he says, oh, no, this is different. Let me tell you what I'm buying. Look at the weapon. Look at this. Look at that. Look at yeah. this. I'm like, what are you talking about? So... If a 40-year-old decamillionaire, which is that friend of mine, is that's exactly the situation he's yeah. in. If he's spending $5,000 on a game, mm. he's essentially buying non-fungible tokens. Right. So it's been around for a long, long time. It's officially now at a point where they're trying to get the rest of the world to know that this is the direction we're going. Well, here's, there's nothing you can do about here's it. Here's what's screwy about what you just said. So what you do in those games is you buy time. Because as you as you increase your your castle, as you increase right. your land, it takes longer to farm. It takes longer to build. Clash of Clans, not yeah. Titans. Clash so of Clans. Yeah, Clash of Titans is better, but Clash of Clans is <laughs> yeah. good too. The uh, anyway, so the the uh, the point I'm trying to make is that in the metaverse, one of the things that that if you want to get real trippy, Twilight Zoney, 
the logical conclusion of this is downloading your consciousness into the metaverse, wow. living forever as your idealized self as long as you can afford to buy more time. Right. So as long as you can afford that to movie buy with Justin more time. Timberlake? What was the movie? No, yeah. Justin Time. I don't know what yeah. the movie was called. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but that's... that's. Uh, I don't think it's going away. Look, there's two things that's going to drive NFTs and the meta. Here's what it is. Number one, what is your system when you lay in bed and you close your eyes? Where do you go to? So, so you're either thinking about issues you're dealing with. You're thinking about your kids, your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mom's health, your dad's health, your business, a job interview, a project, something. Or you're fantasizing about something. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, how's it going to be when I go to Europe? And my, your brain just goes, right? Okay, that's a meta, essentially. You're living in la-la land, and we've been doing this for a while, except it's your own meta that I cannot be a part of. Sure. It's only one person's meta. Yeah, it's your sure, meta. Sure. And I'm concerned about the meta you, you want. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want to go to his meta. <laughs> <laughs> I've only known yeah, him for a while. Yeah, my, it's so, real sticky in my meta. Some, my meta's sticky. Some, <laughs> some people's meta, it ain't no it's, it's a whole different you don't, thing. You right? don't even want to smell my meta. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, but that is a form of meta. Right, and here's the other part. Why I don't think this is going away. I think, uh, you know, like somebody said, what an idiot. Who the hell would spend five thousand dollars? It's called competition, man. Capitalism is based on competition. We like to compete. We want to do better. We want to be on a leader's bulletin. We want to be ranked. We want to have something to say. Here's what I am. As long as your imagination doesn't go away, and as long as competition is going to be the main currency. NFT and uh, Meta is not going to go away. But dude, it's immortality. It's so much bigger than Meta. Yeah. It's immortality. Yeah. If you had the option and if you had the resources to live forever, your family live forever, would you do it? I mean, it's not even a hypothetical question. It's maybe a matter of technological advancement. You could, I wrote a if book you, about it. I wrote a book about it. The fiction book. You've read mm -hmm, the book. The mm -hmm. book is about that. Mm -hmm. That's partly a Meta. And it took me 10 years to finish this book. And we're right now, we just finished it right now. We're pitching it to uh, publishers. We just finished the, uh, the, what do you call it, the, the marketing uh, for the book. And we'll be going to different publishers to see uh, uh, what direction we're going to go with this. But, but what, that is essentially what you're talking about. What happens when your meta life is so much better than your real life? That's the, that's the problem. Everybody's going to be it, the... John, you may want to put that mic closer it's, to you. It's not a problem of the uh, of the system it's the backbone of the system your idealized self your dream world is going to be so much well, better than the real world you're never coming out How, what, there's going to be people who become david thoreau go to the woods live deliberately i want to feel i want i want to look at the real sky i want to breathe the real air and they're going there's going to be those half of society that they they're going to be real they want to want to go skydiving. They want real danger. They want to feel real things. They, they want to have unprotected sex. They want to feel life. And then there's going to be people that are in the metaverse that are safe. They're totally controlled. They can't say anything bad. They have to acquiesce all their freedom to whatever you know controlling organism. But they get the trade-off is they get to be their idealized self. Right. They get to do whatever they've ever dreamed of doing that they can't do in the real world. They can do it here. 
and that's it, that's the serotonin and the dopamine that that's going to cause. I mean, right now you've got guys that, you know, there, there's uh, there's a great comedian that I know, Mike Sicoli, unbelievable guy. He goes, uh, <laughs> my life is so much better in Grand Theft Auto than my regular life, that's, yeah. and I die a hundred times an hour. <laughs> like he's wow. like he's like I die a hundred times an hour John, in GTA, and my life most, is so much better in the how, game. What percentage of people do you think? Uh, prefer their imaginary life over their real life. What do you think that is? I mean, it's high. Of course, it it's is. high. So why do people do drugs? Why right. do people do alcohol? Escape why? reality. To escape reality. I mean, we've been wanting to escape reality for a long time. Most people's escaping of reality is video games, or you know, smoking weed, or doing ecstasy, and doing whatever they do. That is their form. I just don't want to deal with the life I currently have, and that there's nothing I can do about it. So you're, you're bitter about it. You have a way to escape it. So uh, that is part of the motive and the attraction. I can escape it, and it's a different form of a drug. And I'm going to be addicted to it. Pat, That's just kind of how this thing's going to be. I, I think the drug analogy is the perfect well, analogy. Are, are, your, are your parents still alive, if you don't mind my asking? No, no. Okay. Imagine if their consciousness were uploaded to the metaverse. And you can go to the metaverse and have dinner with your mother whenever you wanted to. That's what would great. that be worth to you? A lot. Especially if she was cooking. <laughs> would, would would it would it would it matter would it matter to you uh, that the food cool. you were eating wasn't real? No, probably not. Right? Not if it was her chicken and dumplings and cornbread. Oh, you're you making me hungry, man. It's ten fifty-three. Yeah. I mean that that's you know look we think about the crazy things and we think about like you know the the ability to fly and all this like fantasy stuff and that's definitely part of it. But then there's that actual that realization of like you know what man like if my parents yeah. If, you know, if my parents' consciousness gets uploaded, I mean, look, my parents are a little bit older. I go home twice a year. If my parents live another 10 years, I got 20 times to see my mother. Right. 20. Two zero. And that's the whole reason to work, people. The whole reason to work, the whole reason to put up with the bullshit and make money is because money's worth time. Right. And if you can double that and see your parents four times a year, you double the amount of time you have with them. The metaverse, you can see them forever. Right. Forever. Yeah. How many people want to have a conversation with their deceased parents? That's, that's the price point. I mean, listen. The whole part about being a born again, what is the idea? That you're eventually going to see the people you love that right. are no longer here with you. Well, in heaven. Meta in heaven, yeah. Meta is a form of a secular heaven is how it's being sold. But I want to wrap up with this story and then we go off. It's on page two, at the bottom of page two, if you want to look at that. Uh, 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 it's a CNBC story. Own everything but bubble assets. Tech and crypto recommends institutional investor Hall of Famer Rich Bernstein which we know who he is. He has got a big reputation. He's, he's, he's a winner. He's done well for himself. On one side, he says, we have all that I would call the bubble assets, tech, innovation, disruption, cryptocurrencies. This is Rich Bernstein, who ran strategy at Merrill Lynch. On the other side of this seesaw, you have literally everything else in the world. I think if you're looking at 2022 into 2023, you want to be in the everything else in the world side of that seesaw. His number one pick is Energy, a group he listed as a top play coming into 2021. Earlier this year, Bernstein called oil the most ignored bull market. Bernstein also sees cryptocurrency as a major problem. Last June, he warned the rush to own Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies was becoming dangerously parabolic. Cryptos are the biggest financial bubble ever in the history. This is just a monster one. Do you agree with them? Well, it depends on the timing. Like yeah. when he says, so for example, if Bitcoin goes from 47,000 to 150,000 and then crashes, is he right? Well, I guess he is, but Kathy Wood takes the opposite, right? She says we're not in a bubble right now. 
of ARK Investing. And um, so it all, it all comes from perspective. I don't think we've seen the parabolic run on Bitcoin that he's describing. And I certainly don't think it's the biggest bubble ever. Do I think everything is in a bubble? When you pump this much liquidity into the economy, then sure, you're going to create bubbles. And so it's all a matter of perspective. Do I think that there's going to be some type of crash um, some point next year? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, is that the later half? Is that the first half, the first quarter? I don't know. I wish I did. Um, but um, I think he's right that we're, we're headed for a major correction. I just don't know when. You know what I mean? Well, you know, we talk about the tech bubble. Was tech really a bubble? I mean, was it a bubble? Because look at what look at what Apple is in 99 now. Ninety nine, it was. But I'm saying, look at what Apple no, is now. Right, yeah, look at what Microsoft is sure. now. There, yeah. There's a difference between yeah. a bubble and disruptive technology. There's a difference between a bubble and changing industries. You know, like if somebody was like back in the day, you know, a car cost five hundred dollars, a Ford Model T. Well, I can get a horse for twenty five dollars. I'm never spending five hundred dollars for a car. That's an asinine, you know. And then yeah. you know, there's million dollar cars now. Right. That drives him when he gets bored on the weekends. Like. Is that a bubble? Is that parabolic? Or is it changing technology? Like, I think you you said it best. It's a matter of perspective of time. Right. Like, if Ripple, if you guys settle, if you guys win this case, and it goes up to a dollar fifty, what's crazy is people will be like, eh, it's just a two hundred. It's a two hundred percent. Like, like that's not even good <laughs> in, in crypto anymore. It's no. like why? why would I ten times, twenty yeah, times. Yeah, if right. it's not if, if it's not nine thousand x, it's not worth my time. Like it's it's so in that aspect of it, there's a speculation right. bubble. But I don't think. I mean, if you're oil man, I mean, with Exxon, with the activists that they have, like yeah, look, always be in energy, always be in things that people use. It's not sexy, you know. But you got to be in things that people use. But mm -hmm. you think crypto is going away? To me, bubble means it's going away. Right. Yeah, is it's real estate is Listen, real estate a bubble right now? I think real estate is, is a mathematical formula. You know, meaning like if interest rates go up, real estate is going to take a hit. You know, right. Goldman Sachs is predicting rates are going to go up seven times in 2022. Wow, that's a lot of times when Goldman says seven times. Uh, I, that rates are going to go. There's no up. way. Oh, listen, you, I, I, in, in a midterm election year, you think that look at look at the political pressure that he's dealing with. You think that they're well, going to let? Did you hear what Biden said yesterday? He says Republicans. I just want to tell you, it's going to be a bad midterm election for you. Did you hear him say that? Yesterday? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he said I that think yesterday. they're getting wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> they're getting wrecked. Well, the number is sixty-three. I think it's sixty-one or sixty-three. The record held by the most seats to flip, and the person that owns the record is his former boss, Barack Obama. So we're going to see whether he's going to flip that many, like he's going to lose that many seats. Well, I, I hope they lose the seats because I want to see Gary Gensler and committee answering some questions. It'd be interesting to see that taking place. How, how can yeah. people help put, put pressure? What can people do that are listening to this help put public pressure on it, them so that this investigation happens? If they go to crypto, uh, www.crypto.us, cryptolaw.us, if they go to that, there's a tab in there. Cryptolaw.us. Yes. If they go to that, there's a tab, connect to Congress, and that goes to your senators and your Congress representatives, and you can you can put on pressure. Simply say you want an investigation into this. You want the SEC to come answer questions under oath. These guys are skating it. You know, they're, investigation they're no, into specifically investigation into the SEC and the filing of this case and the way it went down and the conflicts of interest. The conflicts of interest. And, and here's the thing. Only good can come from an independent investigation because when the let's say Pat Gerard let's say that there was no actual crime, but when the appearance of impropriety rises to the level that it destroys public confidence, credibility, yeah, right. Then 
if you do an investigation and it's fair and it's independent and you come back and say no crime was committed, no quid pro quo, you know, uh, but they could have done disclosures, done this better, fine. If it if there is a crime committed, if there was a quid pro quo, then justice is, is done. What was the tweet that you said yesterday? You had a tweet yesterday. Hey, let's let's uh, let the truth. Hey, let the truth fall where it may. Just a matter of time. Well, John, I'm glad we were able to make this work. Absolutely. And, uh, Thank you so we, much. We never do podcasts on Wednesday, but we did it because well, we wanted you. to have a sit-down with you. And I really I enjoyed it. it. I hope the audience has enjoyed it and uh, learned just as much as we have. Uh, folks, if you don't follow John on Twitter, he posts stuff there regularly, and he's very active. I suggest you go follow him on Twitter. What's your handle on Twitter, by the way? John E. Deaton 1. John E. e. Deaton, Deaton 1. One. Yep. Okay. John E. Deaton, one on Twitter. You can find them there as well as we put the link there, CryptoLaw.us. CryptoLaw.us to follow what's going on over here. John, appreciate you for coming out. Folks, tomorrow we are with Danielle DeMartino Booth. Same time tomorrow, podcast three times this week. We won't be doing it to, uh, next week, but tomorrow we'll be with Danielle. Take care, guys. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.